Hello survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 31 and we kick off season 3 of the show with a cavalcade of charlatans, a host of heels, a bloody load of bad guys. It's Villain Special Part 2. My name is Siniac, you can just call me Si and joining me on the panel this week, bad to the bone, it's Firebutton Steve Valance. It may come as a surprise, but I am actually 34 years old. <laughs> Where did that come from? Salazar! No, no. <laughs> okay, I'm with you now. Sorry. Hello, um, everybody. <laughs> and perhaps KDB stands for King of Doing Bad Things, or maybe it's just his initials. Our special guest this week, it's Kelsey, a.k.a. Mr. KDB. Doing bad things is definitely what it stands for. <laughs> King <laughs> of doing that. bad things. That's the, that's the important Hello. part. King, yeah. This episode of First Aid Spray, like all others, was recorded live on our Discord server. Enter our little world of survival horror now to hear the show early and unedited, as well as join our wonderful community and keep up to date with all of the latest news. You can find a link to the server, as well as all of our social media profiles, at our website, fasprepod.com. You can also help support the show by checking out our merch or by supporting us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month with various tiers each with their own perks. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Pod for a full list and the chance to create bonus first aid spray content. Right, so a lot of housekeeping at the top of this. Uh, first of all, welcome to season three. Um, so... Oh, let's do the Patreon supporters first. So our new Patreon supporters, <laughs> by wonderful coincidence, he's here today. It's Mr. KDB. So thank you. Thank you, KDB. And thank you for everyone for continuing to support the show throughout all of the year that uh, I guess we've had a Patreon nearly a year now. So and a lot of you have been with us since the beginning. So shout out to everyone that has contributed in any form across those 12 months and especially those people that have been there since day one to now. Uh, we love you very much. Uh, also, in terms of housekeeping, there's a bit of a shopping list. Uh, for those of you who haven't followed us on social media yet, you should be doing that. Uh, you'll have seen our new logo now, hopefully, on your uh, podcasting apps and wherever else you listen to us. Uh, we've got a brand new logo, and that is also on our website, which I just mentioned. Yes, we've launched fasprepod.com. Um, generally speaking, it's just a good place to go to find all of our content as it comes out. It's like a basically a blog for all the content. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good way to find our socials and our Patreon and all of that good stuff. Speaking of which, uh, we hit one of our social goals recently during the twitch stream that we did to celebrate our second birthday crossed over those 100 followers so thank you to everyone for following us on twitch which means we unlocked a bonus episode poll which has now finished being voted on by our patreon supporters so in the not too distant future you can expect us to be covering metal gear solid the original 1998 konami classic Again, if we uh, unlock more social media goals by hitting those numbers, we'll be putting out more polls, more content. It's all good stuff. Um, so, yeah, you can find our Patreon via the website. You can find our merchandise via the website as well. You can wear the brand new logo and various other designs. We're going to be putting out designs over the course of the year and onwards as well. And some of those will be voted on by our Patreons as well as of what and when that goes up. So yet another reason to get on there. And the Patreons also see all of our content early, so they got to see our most recent videos. So I'm not sure we mentioned this on the last one, but the true story of Akuma, edited by Mr. KDB, who's getting all the shout-outs before we even start. 
<laughs> and uh, the five best Resident Evil ports, or at least five of the best Resident Evil ports, which was a fun one as well. Keep your eyes peeled on our YouTube. If you're not subscribed, go and do that. Uh, the sort of the playback of those Twitch streams is coming. The, the video on demand is coming over Christmas as well, and we are working on something else as well for the holiday period. Whew, I think that's everything, hopefully explained in a decent and succinct kind of way. Um, before we get onto the news, though, let's circle back round to those three letters. Uh, our guest this week, he's come up a few times in recent podcasts. Um, he's been editing some video for us, so it only made sense to bring him on to the show itself. Also, because he's, uh, you know, a very creative guy, that's how we clicked and was like, <laughs> there was one of those things where I was like, man, you already have loads of stuff on your plate, but sure, if you want to edit some of our videos, that's great. And then he's only gone and made his own podcast. We'll get to that in just a moment, but Mr. KB. We're here to talk about Resident Evil, so as always, I like to ask our guests, what was your first experience like with Resident Evil? Because I know there's a story behind it. You haven't told me, but you hinted that there's a story here. <laughs> yeah, so I, I sort of hinted at it in the, the pre-show there. Um, first of all, thanks, thank you, thank you so much for inviting me on. This is amazing. It's also really weird listening to you talk, because for a second <laughs> there, I thought I was just listening to an episode of the podcast, <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, I need to speak in a minute. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, so Resident Evil... Um, so this goes all the way back to when I was about nine years old. Um, my, my discovery of it, if you like, my, mm. my mum had a partner at the time and he, uh, he had a son who, uh, who had a PlayStation, the big game collection. And I remember we were around there one day for like lunch or something. And he was like, Oh, do you want to, want to play, play some games? And, you know, little young scamp me was like yeah yeah of course have a look look through this look through the selection of games and i remember picking up and looking at the cover and seeing resident evil and thinking oh this looks interesting like, i had no idea what it was about and he uh, he put the game on and he played through the first sequence up to when the first zombie appears and then i was just kind of hooked from there and we had to leave and he was like oh do you want to borrow it do you want to <laughs> borrow the game and I was like, yes, yes, I do. And I took it home and I was too scared to play it for about a week because obviously I was, I was very young and I, I was, I was into horror as a youngster. You know, I like things like alien child's mm. play and stuff like that. So I probably shouldn't have been playing it, but my, my parents were quite lenient in that, in that sense. And I just remember when we did finally get around to playing it, that it just took months to complete because I was too scared to go through doors, too scared to do anything. And one of the best things, uh, what the reason it sticks in my head so much is because, you know, back in the day when you would buy a physical copy of a game, you get the manual and most manuals had a section in the back for notes, for writing notes. Right. So this copy of Resident Evil that I'd borrowed from, from this guy, there was only one note written in the back and it just said, Wesker is a wanker. <laughs> And the, out of context, I just thought, okay, that, that's like a rude word. Like, what, why has he written that? And then obviously, over the course of the next few months, um, completing the game, we discovered that Wesker was, in fact, a wanker. And <laughs> from that, that, when I say we, I, I mean me and my brother. I should say we were kind of playing it together. Mm. Um, and I, we also kept a journal while we were playing the game. I can remember to this very day i don't know why these weird little things stick in your mind but the last so i'd write things like oh we've you know we've defeated the the plants we've 
um, you know, the hunters have appeared. And then I remember the last entry just said in big capital letters, it was like completed the lab, killed the tyrant and completed Resident Evil with about 17 exclamation marks after it. And <clears throat> that kind of whole experience is just, it's weird how it sticks with me to this day. And it's just, that was my first, dis, you know, introduction to the series, I suppose. And then it kind of went on from there. And obviously with, with I won't go on about it too much, but, you know, with, with the sequel and with Resident Evil 3. and it, But it was that, being a youngster, just being hooked and being so affected by it, being scared to go through the doors, that that's why I think it stuck with me and why I became a fan and why I have been for my entire life. That's amazing. I love that. That's... I mean, so you've been there since the beginning, and more than that, you were basically like one of the characters in the game. You had your own journal. Just be thankful it didn't sort of like end on, you know, itchy tasty, I guess. That's, <laughs> that's fantastic. And even more incredibly is that you just pulled a memory out of me that I haven't thought about in such a long time. And this is not really relevant to the podcast as such. But I did, me and my brother did that with Pokemon, of all things, where we would write down what we did day to day for, you know, encountered this, caught this thought this guy i thought about that in so long that's amazing <laughs> just, it's weird, love... like now you might go and tweet what you're doing oh, this is i'm experiencing it's this kind of again. like that yeah then, i was literally writing in a in like a mini diary <laughs> I just, uh, it was like so discovering the manual for the game was kind of like discovering a file because it had a clue yeah. and the clue was wesker's a wanker that's fantastic yeah yeah that that lived <laughs> up to the hype <laughs> But yeah, it's, like I say, it's just always stuck with me. And then I, just quickly, I remember, so, so that was like 1997 or eight. It, was, it wasn't long after the game had been out. And then, but Resident Evil 2 was really, to be honest, I think, you know, I, I was a little bit older, more mm. mature um, <laughs> by about a year or whatever it was. Um, I remember I actually had, I was so excited for it um, that I had a, a guide for the game before I actually had played the game. Right, yeah. You know, the magazines used to release, they mm. used to have guides in the magazines, and I had one of them that I would just read cover to cover. And we didn't actually own RE2, we actually rented it repeatedly from the local video shop. Mm -hmm. um, but I had read through the guide so many times that I was just a pro before I started even playing it. And <laughs> that's such a weird thing. Like today, you would never do, you, well, I mean, personally, I would never do that today. You sort of play a game and experience it. But back then, I was just like, no, I need to read this. And I, I knew you know, where all the keys were and what you had to do. And so, you know, I'd be playing with my friends like this absolute pro because I'd just been doing my research before I ever actually played it. That's amazing. Incredible. So, and yeah. Yeah, been a fan. yeah, so it's definitely been a, a part of your life for a long time then. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've played, you know, I've played. So I was thinking about this. I've There's some of the um, spin-offs I've not played. Like I've mm -hmm. not played Umbrella Chronicles. Um, I've not played outbreak but i've played zero i've played survivor and the sequel is dead, dead aim's not really a sequel to survivor is it but i have played not dead as aim. such but it's kind of like counted no. as part of a, a like a spin of the series. Same series yeah yeah and all, yeah all the main <laughs> all the mainline entries and um, i think one two and three particularly for me they are you know as with a lot of people that they are. It's my my trilogy is, is the original one, two, and three. Um, yeah, I can't get enough of, enough of, and I've played them by far the most. We definitely like dragged you on for the wrong podcast. Then <laughs> it's it's fine. Like I, I said to you, it gave me an excuse mm. to, to play RE6. Um, I, and I love I 
I really loved RE4 and I hadn't played 5 for a long time. Mm-hmm. But in 6 I'd never played, so this finally gave me kind of a kick up the ass to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I did, which, you know, we'll get into it, but yeah, Indeed. I've got lots, lots to say. Yeah, so you were streaming some of that as well. Um, so yeah, you are out there on the Twitch. You can find that in the description and you can also find a link to Mr. KDB's podcast, which is Tapes from the Waste. Do you just want to talk about that just a little bit and what that is? Yeah, so that's a Fallout fan podcast that I do with a buddy of mine. Um, Fallout is another franchise that I'm a huge, huge fan of. Um, I started that um, for a couple of reasons. One, just to kind of keep you know creative juices flowing and you know we're in pandemic and lockdown it's trying to find things to do to keep yourself busy but to be completely honest with you a lot of the fallout law would often go over my head and Mm -hmm. i just thought it'd be a really good way to get my head around the law and just chat about fallout and yeah as i mentioned on the first episode it's you know things like first aid spray that kind of gave me a bit of a boost to do something like that so yeah all credit goes to you side to be honest Sweet, I'll take it. I mean, I've, I'm not a, I'm not a massive Fallout fan. I've played some yeah. of the games in in pieces, but I've definitely always been interested in the universe. So I've I've dipped into it definitely, and you know, as, as a bit of sort of something to listen to while I was doing something else. I yeah, I really enjoyed it. So if you are a Fallout fan, highly recommend looking into that, especially if you're a fan of the lore. Um, yeah, I can relate to that because I think I said on the show before, Resi Fact was pretty much my excuse to just sort of like hammer some more details into my brain. It wasn't me mm. being like, look how much I know. It was, yeah, it was just yeah. like, cool, I just want to know more about this. So that's why that began. So, so is Mr. KDB going to start up his own Twitter of Fallout Facts? Or? Yeah, when's that coming? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve, let's take us into... <laughs> Let's take us into the headlines. Let's do I'm it. I'm just going to delete that account that I made earlier. There we go. <laughs> Our first piece of the news is uh, rather grim, to be honest. Capcom have suffered a server attack, data theft, and blackmail. Over one terabyte of data has been stolen. It includes partner and consumer info, as well as well games in development, which include, you know, the big one. It's uh, it's pretty rough. Yeah, so this sort of happened after we recorded uh, our most recent episode. So it's 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 been going on for a couple of weeks, and we haven't actually been able to address it. Uh, God, yeah, you got to really feel for Capcom. Um, yeah, basically data mined or whatever by by terrorists, essentially cyber terrorists attacking their servers, taking that information. Um, quite rightfully, they didn't pay the sort of I guess money demands or whatever it was that they were asked for, and this is why this information is now slowly making its way onto the internet. Um, to begin with, it didn't seem as bad as it is. It still seemed bad, and obviously the actual situation was awful. But uh, yeah, as the weeks have gone on, we've gone from having like um, sort of like a list of objectives from Village being online to apparently, and I haven't come across this yet, but full-blown cutscenes, including the ending of the game. Um, so I guess straight at the top, obviously, if you're not aware of that, uh, if you're not aware of this going on, that probably means you're not going to come across it anyway, let's face it, um, because it, 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 people have been talking about it all over social media, which is good, you know, stay away if you can, mute certain tags and words and everything like that, um, but yeah, as I've said online, we won't be engaging with it, we won't be talking about it on the show or on the server, we're not having any of that, I mean, we've... T- We've started to take a stance slightly different over the year towards talking about leaks and rumours, I think. Um, but this is this is a whole other level of we're not talking about this. You know, it's it's a terrible I mean, This isn't some industry guy. This isn't some like, yeah. guy with no, this is like stolen. Mm-hmm. Like, 
ransomed yeah, this information. This is vile. This is disgusting. Yeah, the, the, this exactly. This the difference is the behaviour of it. It's not just some game tester thing. And, oh, cool! Look, I, I know this and this. Uh, yeah, this. Yeah, it's awful. Um, I'm not really sure what else you can say over the Matt, It sucks for Capcom. Well, it's, uh, be, uh, to echo Sai's statement, be extra careful out there. Friend of the show, Sonny Bauer, recently got an entire ending spoiled mm. to him, apparently. It's that rife on Twitter. I uh, I cannot stress enough, if you want to like enjoy Village in the uh, blindest way possible, you may have to take either a hiatus from the Resident Evil fandom and social media. It's, uh, you know, obviously, I'd imagine we're going to try and keep this place a safe haven on yeah. the first day of Spray Discord. Yeah, but- yeah, we will, we will. Um, but, I've not seen anything too extreme, but at the beginning, one of the things that leaked out was sort of like um, prospective release windows for games for the next few years, you know, Capcom mm-hmm. plans. I saw that much, which is not great. I mean, I, not the contents of it, but the fact I didn't necessarily want to know these things that were in planning stages. Um, but hopefully... You know, hopefully we're not that far out from the game and we won't have to wait that long. That's that's the hope. It's just like the the um the initial reaction to village. And this was uh, this obviously all just because one person was just leaking information as the normal way, mm. right? And everyone's entire like uh luster and will to go for it was a little bit dampened by it. Imagine how bad it's going to be now when the game actually comes out and most people know what's going to happen to the plot. You know, it, it's stupid. Why why are people like you know, propagating and pushing these leaks further than just like, you know, turning around to the people leaking and going, no, piss off, get lost. Mm. Um, it, it worries me. That part of the fandom is worrying me. Yeah, I don't personally understand that either. Uh, Mr. KDB, any, any, any rea- how do you feel about this? Any reaction? Hopefully you haven't seen yeah. anything too bad yet. No, luckily I haven't seen anything yet. I'm, I'm really concerned and obviously worried about being spoiled. I mean, this... You know, as you said, it's like stealing data and, and holding them to ransom. Like they leaked some personal information as well, which is just really, really mm. kind of bang out of order. And then when it gets to things like the content of the game, like I, I don't want to. I really don't want to have to remove myself from the community. So I'm trying to avoid that. But I do have this kind of like this constant worry that I'm just going to stumble into a, a Twitter thread or something, and it is going to get spoiled. Um, so I'm just yeah, just feeling a bit down on the whole thing really um because it's it's a franchise that i've been watching watching some streams of cyberpunk and i'm not too too fussed about story story spoilers there um but with when it's a franchise like re and this continuous story Mm. you know it fit it's just more kind of valuable to me so i'd rather not be spoiled um please don't spread spoilers that's yeah not good yeah and it's more than just oh you know it's strange how people on Twitter or whatever. If you want to spoil yourself and you want to read it, you know, whatever, knock yourself out, I guess. But yeah. you don't have to check with other people. But worse yet is sort of like the gaming publications and stuff. That's all, they all slapped... Well, not all of them. Plenty of them slapped it up, you know, to get some clicks. And it had... Apparently, there was stuff out there with loads of spoilers in it on, on really major websites, which is, yeah, disappointing. Yeah, I think when it first leaked, there was a few things, like nothing major, major story related. But I, I saw some of the earlier stuff, like details, like you mentioned, yeah. because it was shared by you know these news on these online sites that you're kind of supposed to trust. rely on and trust. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, oh, great. Well, I'm never going to probably never going to visit your site again. So that's a shame. 
and on that note, Steve, would you like to take us into the next headline, please? So, uh, notable gaming publication news site, IGN, has released three new official village screenshots and a quote from Peter Fabiano. This dropped day of recording, I believe. Yeah, yeah, just a couple of hours ago before we've recorded, so I will just quickly read what Fabiano has said about village. Uh you call it an update if you like. It's not a whole lot to, to extrapolate from it. It's more the screenshots that's interesting. But nevertheless, he said, we're really excited for fans to experience Resident Evil Village when it comes out in 2021. We feel it's an accumulation of all the best elements of Resident Evil games from the past 25 years, with everything fans love about action-infused survival horror plus new surprises. Of course, there are plenty of puzzles to solve and mysteries to unfold. We hope fans will enjoy exploring the desolate, snowy village in which Resident Evil Village takes place, where enemies new to the franchise are waiting for them. Players will once again take control of Ethan Winters, experiencing more of the story set in motion in Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. New technologies are allowing us to immerse players in the game in ways we couldn't achieve before, in what we hope will be the most pulse-pounding Resident Evil game to date. So, some nice... uh blurb i guess you know <laughs> sales pitchy stuff there's not not much you can take from that i guess if you wanted to purely speculate new technologies allowing us to immerse players makes me wonder if and what we mentioned to cyberpunk there and you know the situation with how that game plays on base xbox and playstation 4 consoles i wonder if maybe that's them saying we're going to step back from releasing on what is now previous gen i guess that's made. That's just speculation on my part. Can't say for sure. Um, so there was flip flopping about that, wasn't there? That some people were thinking they were considering going and doing a previous gen version. Mm. I wonder if this this backlash to uh, notable notable game Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven is going to push it because they surely you know no one's blind to how bad that that is going on right now. Yeah, when that happened, it made it immediately made me think of games like Village and you know. I don't think it. Obviously, it, 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 I, whatever the case, it's not going to be quite that level of broken if if they do go ahead with it. Um, because we've got this is an engine that already exists, right? Um, they are just making a, a a more updated, you know, a sequel to to RE Seven. So it's not like they're going crazy new. So I'm sure I have full faith, fifth, but it's without like the fifth AAA title they'll put out on it, right? So, exactly. Yeah, they, they've got definitely a few swings at bat. So indeed. Get ready to spot some tarp. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was going to say, there's not like 500,000 NPCs walking around and things like that. So, right. um, yeah, I'm more positive this will be okay if they do happen to release it on last gen or what is current gen to me. Hmm. See, here's the thing. I was about to make a joke about, oh, it's probably open world. And all this lot. I don't know if that's true or not because these leaks. It's killed speculation and fun. Sorry to backtrack onto the previous mm. point. Oh, no, you're right. You've got to be careful what you read. You know, yeah. I can't even joke now because people will think I'm being like, you know, I, I've seen it like information like this. It yeah. makes me mad. Mm. Um, <laughs> well, so on I the laugh. subject of the screenshots, though, we'll just quickly dip into it. Um, what did you guys think? We got sort of a castle with some, I guess, yeah, the birds flapping around. Nice yeah, atmospheric like that. image. That's quite cool. Uh, we have one of the beast men in the snow. Um, yeah, looks good. Nothing remarkable. The big one, though, I guess, which is going to be the, the splash image of all the all the websites, is uh, yeah, some sort of yeah, e- even hairier, even bulkier beast man carrying I don't know a giant hammer or something. As we've been talking about on the server, is is he a, a, a just a, a regular enemy but more beefed up, or is this a mini boss? What do you guys think? 
Oh, yarning. I, I personally think it's going to be a mini boss. Um, I think we're kind of past the days where we have lots of enemies that look the same as each other. Um, you know, if you think of RE4, how many villagers look the same, and then you have multiple chainsaw wielding maniacs. Um, I don't think there'll be more than one of this character in the game. That's my guess. So I feel like he's a mini boss that wants to kind of, yeah, bash your brains in with that giant, <laughs> giant mallet. Yeah, it's a bit uh, Magini Executioner looking that thing, but yeah, yeah maybe he. <laughs> Speaking of Resident Evil Four, and you know, you know, the village comparisons, maybe he is uh, the Batoras Mendez of the of the game. He's the the sort of first boss. He's the, he, maybe even he's the chief of the village who's turned into a beast man. Who knows? Again, like okay. Steve said, I haven't read anything. I promise that's just speculation. Who knows? He looks literally like an extra from Bloodborne, and I mean that in the greatest way <laughs> possible. Right. He literally has the attire, the aesthetic of the villagers. Like, I, I do hope he's actually just a common enemy. Like, they, they come at you with those kind of improvised weapons that are a speck above what you had in RE4 villagers. Mm-hmm. Um, just that, that charm to see a man who is more wool than anything else <laughs> coming at you with a giant like, potato masher is... Kind of appealing to me. It's tickling the the, uh, the darker parts of my brain. <laughs> I like it. The food stuck in his beard, scaring you off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Joe Giacomici, friend of the show, has dubbed him the Hammer Hobo. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Constantine Films have revealed the potential release date for the new live-action film. So, um, this... You know, you may or may not want to know this. There hasn't been a big announcement or anything, but this is on Constantine's website. So if by any chance you don't want to know this, uh, wherever you're listening, there should be a description on your Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, your podcast app. Pull that up, hit the time code for the file reading. This is going to be the last news story. So if you don't want to know, now's your chance to move ahead. Um, so with all that being said, according to Constantine Film, um, it's going to be September 9th. Um, next year september 9th 2021 so that's you know that's cool that's something to look forward to you know uh late into next year it, it pretty much means i pull up my podcast plan for the year and go cool we'll just slot that in there then but who knows what that's going to look like you know is it are we all going to be watching that from home or are we all going to finally going to meet up and go to the cinema together and watch a resident evil film in the cinema are we going to be able to do that you know with the state of the world um but but yeah, you know, I guess filming is fully underway now, so it, right, just just to clarify for my own like, you know, ignorant brain, this isn't the is this the the one that everyone keeps leaking like really, really cool screenshots that I'm trying to not see. Yeah, this is the one with all the set photos coming out. This is the um remake two <laughs> film, yeah. I guess. Okay. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Let's hope they beat the beast that is COVID first and then yeah, of course, this is prospective release date for partly for that reason, right? It could change. Yeah, I think exactly. the fact they haven't announced it in a big way probably means they're expecting it may change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or well, they know the general fan reaction to live action Resident Evil films is not the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the money reaction is so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. true. <laughs> so uh, I yeah, I mean. It's, I feel like September's kind of an odd one in a way. I guess it's kind of a halfway house between Summer Blockbuster and Halloween. Yeah. But yeah. I was expecting it maybe 
a little bit earlier or failing that push round to next summer if you know things don't go their way but i'll take if it's september i'll take it but equally if it has to get pushed back you know that's just the world we live in all right well with the news out of the way let's roll into our main subject for this episode which is the continuation of villains special and now reading the files tricell researcher miguel's journal one and two from Resident Evil 5, in character as Miguel, Joshua Weems, who you can follow on Twitter at The Crimson Speed. February 19th. When I heard it was THE laboratory used by Umbrella in Africa, my expectations were raised, to say the least. But when I saw it, well, it's a lab in name only. I don't know how Umbrella ever used it, and Lord knows how Tricell could possibly have any use for it. The place was abandoned long ago, so there's nothing there of any value to us. Not one piece of lab equipment remains, at least nothing that still works. I can't say I'm surprised, because I have expected this. Anyway, the important thing is the progenitor virus. If we didn't need that virus for our research, there would have been no need to come to this rundown umbrella facility anyway. We already have samples of the T virus, the G virus, the T Veronica virus, and even the Las Plagas parasite. We have everything we need for our research. We just didn't have that damned progenitor virus. But we finally got our hands on it. Hopefully, this will give us that much needed breakthrough in our research. I can't wait to start working on it. March 7th. I wonder who came up with the name Liquor for those creatures. I mean, when you see its long tongue, you just know that it's the perfect name. But for researchers like me, B.O.W.s like Liquors are just a pain in the ass. If I said Liquors were too perfect, I'd probably be going too far in my praise. But they're pretty much an evolutionary dead end. There's no room left for improvement. B.O.W.s that were created using the T-Virus don't seem to show much improvement when the progenitor virus is administered. I mean, their abilities show some slight improvements. For example, their sense of smell seems more or less improved. But that's all we've got so far. They're still blind as an old lady and they're ugly as shit. The biggest jump in their evolution seems to be their ability to reproduce. I hate when things don't go according to plan. But since there's still a demand for liquors on the B.O.W. market, I guess things aren't all that bad. Okay, so Season 3 is going to kick off much in the way that Season 2 did. We're going to be looking at some villains, some one-off villains from the series. Um, in our previous villain special, which you can go back and listen to now, episode 16, we talked about some bad guys that turned up just once from Resident Evil Zero. Uh, there isn't any in one, it's just Wesker, isn't it? So he's not really a one-off villain. So it was Resident Evil Zoo, Zero, Resident Evil Zoo, Resident Evil Zero, Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3, Code Veronica. So continuing into the sort of second generation of Resident Evil now, uh, with 4, 5 and 6. And all of them have two villains that we've picked out. I suppose 4 technically has a couple more as well, which we could perhaps touch on. But there is definitely... Uh, two major ones from each of these games. So we're going to be looking at Ramon Salazar, Osman Sadler, Ricardo Irving, Excella Gion, uh, Derek C. Simmons, and Carla Adames. So um, each of these 
we'll have a little bit of an intro just to sort of set them up. Uh, this comes courtesy of the Batman's timeline, as always, from the Resident Evil Podcast.com. Always like to give those guys a shout out when we can. Um, so, yeah, let's roll into our first one Resident Evil 4 uh, Salazar, who was born in 1984. So, for context, Leon is born in 1977, and Steve rightly pointed out he does actually just shout out his age at one point in the game. Uh, Ramon Salazar is the eighth Castellan of the Salazar family. After feuding with the Los Illuminados cult for generations, the Salazar family banished them and sealed the passage that led down from their castle home to the home of the Las Plagas parasites underground. The small, frail Salazar was orphaned at a young age and was raised by his butler, which made him the prime target for Osmond Sadler's hypnotism. He was infected with a dominant Plagas to retain his own mind and control of his own body, but would sacrifice himself for Sadler's goal in order to stop Leon S. Kennedy. Um, so to start this one off, out of the two, I always thought that Salazar was kind of the more interesting one. I don't know how you guys feel about that out of the two. I feel like he's got a lot more personality. The design's, you know, unique, even if, right, getting it out of the way, it does feel like much in the same way with Alfred and Co-Veronica, it was kind of done, you know, as different, is scary, which is, you know, but I guess they don't really, I don't, from what I remember, there isn't any lines that are necessarily sort of cringeworthy in the same way that what Claire yells in Co-Veronica. Um, but yeah, I just thought he, he, he was a, he's wacky in a fun way compared to Sadler, who, I don't know, we'll get there, I guess, but yeah, Steve, Steve go on. I am sorry, if, if there is ever, like, okay, Capcom, listen, I know, I know occasionally you listen to this podcast, right? If you ever, <laughs> ever want to do, like, a, a, a mini side game, okay, that's completely non canon nonsensical, you've got your main character villain here right now, okay? Salazar stands out, he's unique, everyone knows him, he's a complete goofball. Um, yeah, no. I, I have a lot of time for him, despite the fact he's completely ridiculous. I think... <laughs> I think the reason why uh, a lot of people resonate with him compared to Sadler is because he gets a little bit more screen time. Or at least it feels like he does in my head. Mm. Like he goes with Leon and they jibe a lot more. And obviously, there's like it seems like every other time you see him as an altercation, barring the first one, like he throws you in a death pit or he's uh, laughing over you over the headset before he has some bugs on. Right, you. right. Uh, whereas you know. Sadler's normally, ha, I killed your helicopter friend, or, you know, <laughs> ah, he means nothing to me. Uh, it's, it, he's not really got the same stage presence in comparison. Whereas, you know, Salazar, he's laughing the entire time having fun. He's like a Batman villain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he does get to, to have a bit more of a range, I guess, because, yeah, you do get the different scenes with him. You get the sort of... <laughs> I don't understand how he shows up on that video phone thing, despite the, you know, they're in like this backwater town in Europe with no technology, and yet somehow he's showing up on Leon's like Metal Gear Solid cool device. Um, yeah, he gets stupid, you know, the right hat, your right hand comes off, and then he just sort of like giggles it off. He's, yeah, he's just, he's ridiculous. He's colourful. But, Mr. KDB, you made a, made a noise of disagreement when I said that. <laughs> well, I. I completely get what you're saying, and he's. I I wrote some notes, and I thought he is absolutely memorable, and he does stand out for lots of reasons. But in the context of RE4, he's just. I mean, he's not in control. Sadler's no. the one who's yeah. in control, and he's just. He's he's impressionable. Um, he's. I don't find him that threatening. He does all this stuff, but I personally, for reasons that we can get into, I found Sadler more threatening. Um, I like him, I like Salazar, 
he and he's fun and you know the, the Mr. Kennedy and all this kind of stuff is is great. Um he's he does say a few ridiculous things which just kind of make me roll my eyes, but I mean that's kind of common in in RE. Especially so I for... <laughs> Yeah, I won't hold it against them. Um he comes off a bit like a stroppy child. Um <laughs> oh, definitely. He, yeah. No, I don't know he's he's small and but it you know, he could have been small but a bit more imposing, but he literally he, he acts like a child as well. Um, and he, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's memorable because of the way he looks and the way he sounds. But for me, he just feels way too cartoony. And, mm. you know, with all sort of rumours, and I know there's no confirmation of, of it yet, but a potential RE4 remake, like I try to imagine him in a more serious kind of setting. And in the context of RE4, he kind of works, but I'm not sure how else you do him. Mm. Um, yeah. without taking away everything that makes him good in RE4. Um, so as, is he a good villain? I'm, I'm not too sure. Um, he is the most Saturday morning cartoon <laughs> any of the Resident Evil yeah. villain casts, you know, which is great, but he's hollow as well. Like, he's as hollow as any villain from, you know, like, you know, we're going to destroy the beach, Captain Planet. Why? Because we want to. That kind of rubbish. <laughs> Out of everyone, I, I can see him going, I'll get you next week, Mr. Kennedy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I mean, yeah. I, I, see, this is the thing, right? So I enjoy him very much, but I would say that if Sadler isn't in this game, then RE4 sort of falls down because Salazar cannot be the lead. He can't be the mastermind, as you're saying. He's he is a stroppy child. He doesn't have the power. He's got some cool stuff. You know, he's throwing the Verdugo at you. That's pretty cool. But he's definitely not the one in control, and he's definitely not really fit for that final boss. You know, ultimate. You know, things get heavy now. Moment. Um, he, yeah, he very much serves his purpose in the game, and I think. Yeah, he's he steals it, but it's always gonna it's it's gonna happen that way. And yeah, with without without Sadler there, I don't think he would steal it. I think he has to have something to be compared to. And that's not saying that Sadler's bad. I'm just saying, you know, the wider range that he gets to do. Uh, yeah, that's I think I would think most people that played Resident Evil Four and haven't necessarily gone back to it too much. You know, not super fans of the series. Probably going to think of Salazar first because of all the. All the stupidness, you know, the knife in the hand and the <laughs> scream and all that, you know. I mean, yeah. not not to put too fine a point on it, he has the most distinct silhouette of the entire game, doesn't he? Mm. Like, you know, <laughs> a, a short fellow in a Napoleon outfit, complete with hat. Uh, it, it, it's it's very in contrast to like dudes in robes or villagers. Are you saying if it was a, an episode of Who's That Pokemon, you'd get it straight away? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> or guess who, you know, the, the old... Yeah. Does he have a stupid hat on? It's almost like somebody went, let's write a character with a Napoleon complex and someone just completely misunderstood. <laughs> so, oh, okay. <laughs> because he he's it's so on the nose. I mean, uh, it's a shame in some regards that we've had to drop Petorius Mendes to, to further emphasise my point because Petorius Mendes literally looks like the tyrant does now, only instead of a hat, he has a beard. <laughs> like, yeah. That's right. You don't know that that tyrant, uh, I was going to say, he doesn't have hair under that hat, but you do know because the hat comes off. And it's like Maybe the beard's on the top, I don't know. But yeah, fair point. <laughs> <laughs> what am I talking about? So, I sort of did like... Um, like a list of sort of prompts to think about when we're looking at these these villains mm. that I did last time, and 
you know, a lot of these questions are hard to answer with Salazar. You know, what motivates him is, he's, yeah, he's just being controlled, really. He's poor, poor guy. I, I wouldn't call him sympathetic. He insists. He insists he has absolute control. I would right. emphasize, and I, I apologize, you have to bleep this, but I think he just has a complete commitment to being a total b. <laughs> I think there is there is that. Yeah, I don't yeah. really understand what drives him. I guess maybe it's just I I, I guess him being orphaned and stuff like that and left alone in this big castle, maybe just feeling yeah. part of something. Yeah, he definitely wants to belong. And, and Sadler, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Sadler obviously sees that and that's how he takes advantage of him. Um, he's living alone. He's in, he's in his castle. He's trying to live up to, you know, the name of his family and his ancestors. And they did this thing where they, mm. you know, they got rid of, they buried the Plagas. And um, so he's, Sadler is motivating him because in the sense that he's controlling him but Salazar he yeah he wants to belong to something and he wants people to respect him like they did his ancestors because I feel like he's been on his own for a long time and then obviously he he's small and you know, diminutive and he kind of wants people to not take the piss out of him I suppose mm-hmm. all that being said he, though I don't find him sympathetic <laughs> it's like seeing him in uh, the castle that he resides Right, and and the general the things that reside in this castle, regardless of the like the last plagas themselves, I actually think he's very much like a sadistic torturer type of guy. Mm. Like I think Ooh. he enjoys it because there there is no other place in RE4 quite as rife as that castle for death traps. And you know who else has like a lava moat with five breathing dragons inside? Someone who is clearly enjoying torture. <laughs> so I have a theory. I think he's a huge movie fan. <laughs> because there are multiple references to films. He, at one point, he even says, you're nothing but an extra in my script. Don't get too carried away. Your biggest scene is over. <laughs> uh, he actually, he has, he's built the maze from The Shining in his garden as well. Um, there was a couple of other things as well. But there's just the... I think he's been sat on his own, binging all these 80s movies, and now he's trying to live out his Hollywood movie dream, I think. Okay, if we get a remake four, I want that backstory. That's great. <laughs> And that, that's just why at, at the end, Sadler says to Leon, you know, this isn't a Hollywood film where the American always wins because he's sick of Salazar's stupid movies. Ah, yeah, <laughs> it's that's like, it. You're always watching bloody Die Hard. Come over here and do some work. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yep, that's yep, that's the head cannon now. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so moving on to the the final moments of Salazar, I suppose we should talk about the boss fight, which is patently ridiculous like what my note is literally why 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 does he kill himself that way he sort of sacrificed himself to this giant flower plagus the the tower of the castle <laughs> and the verdugo sort of just mopingly goes with him like oh well this is my lot in life <laughs> it does doesn't it it looks like you're really oh well oh. i guess we're doing this then <laughs> yeah. it's so weird like this is the beginning of sort of like what did you hope to achieve? This is the beginning of the, the and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, a lot over this episode, of the all the villains always become mutated from, from RE4 onwards. Because you have to think, uh, Code Veronica is a little bit different because it's really part of Alexia's story. And Resident Evil 3, Nikolai is a villain. He, you know, we don't even know whether he lived or died. He doesn't definitely doesn't mutate. So this is the beginning of, you know, we get to the point where he's back into a corner and... Th- in goes the uh, the syringe. So he's the first of a long line of villains that, <laughs> for some reason, thinks his his life is better off as a giant flower monster. 
I, I would love to have seen like an alternative take of what would have happened had he killed Leon. He's just, just sat there on the wall. <laughs> yes, and, and Sadler just turns up and goes, well. That was silly, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, it, I completely agree. And it, it just, it doesn't really make much sense. And I tried and tried to sort of find sense in it. And all I could, all I kept coming back to was just that he wants to be big and powerful. And it was like, okay, mm. it's the complete opposite to what he is. And like you said, there's many villains that just for some reason decide to inject themselves and, and mutate or whatever, or get injected. Um, he, cho- he, he does that. He mutates and he's now this all powerful form. And yeah, he's, he's obviously much happier that way. So, you know, good luck to him. Yeah. I say all, all joking aside, I think what that scene needed was you know a bit more detail as to what that plant even is. Like there's found speculation it's something key to the plagues, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it's called like concrete. mother mother plagues or something, I think. I think I hope I'm not making that up. I see I, that's the thing. There's not enough fine detail on it. Right. And it's clearly as much a component as anything else because it takes the Verdugo and Salazar and turns them into a a thing. Mm. Uh, yeah, I remember First time playing RE4 against that boss and dying repeatedly because I didn't realise yeah. he insta-killed you. He stood still. Yeah, I was just going to say, as far as a boss fight goes, he can insta-kill you, so he's, he's pretty pretty intense. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, mean, I like the way his voice changes as well. It goes to that classic jewel tone thing, which yes. is cheesy, like yeah. you know, cheesy old horror food movies that he's been watching, um, but I enjoy that. Yeah, I think <laughs> tonally it makes sense, like... And for his character, like you say, it does almost kind of make sense. And it's a it's a gameplay device at the end of the day. And yeah. it's Resident Evil Four. You know, it's it was it's less about the lore and more about a satisfying gameplay thing. So technically, that part makes sense. So yeah, and there wasn't. I mean, I don't know what kind of way back there was for him. He sort of he'd reached a point. And, you know, Ashley had been taken off on the boat. I suppose he thought, yeah, the plan's all working. Mm. Um, there's no redemption left for him. So, yeah, why not? Why I mean, not yeah, transform I, into Poison I Ivy? I guess you have to think not that he obviously realises this because he dies thinking that he is in control and he's not sort of Sadler's pawn, but Sadler probably would have killed him anyway, right, after he outlived yeah. his usefulness. So, you know, it's little as some and some of the other. It's either way, it's going to be the same kind of fate. The eighth Castella, to the, the sorry, the eighth Castellan, the Salazar Prefecture, is nothing but a small-time subordinate, apparently. Like the architect of the entire thing, so Sadler's got a complex of his own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's very true. You well, that, definitely throwing him under the bus. That brings us to the man himself. Unless anyone has any more Salazar notes. All right. So Sadler, Osman Sadler, was a descendant into the Los Illuminatus religious cults and would be the man who finally brokered a peace deal between the previously warring factors of Illuminatus and the Salazar clan. Through old text, Sadler identified Las Plagas under the Salazar castle and twisted and controlled the current Castellan Ramon in order to assist with his bidding. Sadler convinced the townsfolk of Pueblo that the banishment of Los Illuminatus was a sin and that it was time to cleanse themselves of that sin by injecting themselves with with sacred blood, which was subordinate Plagas Parasite, which he would then control with a dominant Plagas. Uh, Sadler hated America, he, who he saw as policing the world, and decided to kidnap a powerful figure, President Graham's daughter Ashley, to extort them for money and then eventually use them to take over the world. So, he is a 
just out and out movie villain like we were just saying he's almost generically mm. evil right his whole thing is i hate america i'm going to take over the world and it's, it's 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 pretty standard stuff i guess it's new for the series that we have this sort of twisted religious figure we've we hadn't had that in resident evil to this point at least um and again aside from the ashford twins he represents sort of like the pantomime villainy coming to the series full blown for the first time he is absolutely uh oh uh, yeah he's he's a ridiculous pantomime generic villain <laughs> not necessarily how i feel about good or bad but it is just like i am a bad guy <laughs> Um, Mr. KDB, why don't you kick us off with this one? What's, what's your immediate thoughts on Sadler? Yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. And I, I know that sometimes generic can be a way to maybe not enjoy something as much, but I like him for lots of reasons. Um, first off, his, his name, I think his name is fantastic. Ossiman Sadler. Is, <laughs> yeah. I just really love that. Like any good cult leader, he's sort of a really good talker. He's tall, he's handsome, he's this towering figure. Mm. Um, and it's funny you say pantomime because he reminds me a lot of The Undertaker. Um, <laughs> I feel kind of any, it, basically Ministry of Darkness Undertaker. Right. This is sad. At any moment, he could give me a choke slam and bury me alive. <laughs> and he, he's also like a scarier version of Jafar from Aladdin. <laughs> He even has the staff that controls people. Yeah, um, fair point. Oh, no. <laughs> I enjoy his big uh, purple robe. Um, and this kind... I like villains that don't necessarily want to be um, the the face at the fourth rank. Now, there is a point in this game where he's literally sat on a throne, but I'm going to ignore that <laughs> because generally he's the kind of puppet master in mm. the background. And I like that kind of thing from a villain. So... Yeah, he's. I, I completely agree. He's he's very pantomime and you know he's got the voice and everything. But I enjoy him, and I think sometimes when I'm looking at the villains, I go back and forth between what I find scary and threatening. And I think sometimes it comes down to if I was in a room alone with them, that <laughs> I take them out. And I think Salazar, yes, Sadler, no. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm never gonna unthink Jafar now. Thanks for that. <laughs> For me, I always thought the thing that I always thought was like, wow, he's kind of like a Silent Hill villain more than a Resident Evil villain at that point, you know, with mm. the religious sect and stuff. And, and as you say, hiding in the background, as, as many of the Silent Hill sort of big bads do until the end. Um, yeah, he, he is kind of threatening. Yeah, like there's a scene near the end where he can push bullets out of his skin. That's that's still pretty cool today, actually, yeah. as a moment. Um and his introduction scene is great. For all of me saying, you know, he's a generic bad guy, you get some pretty cool moments. And uh, the, the yeah. voice talent of Michael Goh, uh, yes. yeah, he's fantastic as Sadler. Uh, Steve, how do you feel about uh, Osmond? I'm, I'm currently, like, in the process of, like, not trying to see Jafar as Sadler. <laughs> yeah. And it's, 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 not, it's not going well. They, they, they are merging in my mind. Uh, <laughs> So that's that's a good analysis, I think, right there. I I have a soft spot for cheesy '80s cartoons, and as such, you know, I've already made this comparison already. He fits the bill. He's very much like the Skeletor to you know mm. uh, Leon's what Optimus Prime. They fought each other, right? I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's it's it, he, he functions, and like you said, it, it feels like every scene he's in, like Michael Go kills it. 
mm. you, you know, you, you look at this man and you're terrified. I would argue, uh, as Mr. KDB said, that uh, handsome, I uh, with that forehead, <laughs> no, no, no. I, uh, and that that problem he's got with his throat, Jesus. Um, but no, I think as the purpose that he serves as the uh, the main antagonist, he's okay in the uh, the vacuum of RE4 in itself. But elsewhere, it's very uh, obvious. Obviously, he, he doesn't go very far. He's a one-shot villain. But there is literally, like, up until the recent, is it Degeneration Damnation movie, I honestly thought the entirety of Los, Los Luminados lost a fight with a man with hit curtains and were all dead anyway. So there's not really much impact. Um, so he's functional. Mm-hmm. But, you know, outside of the game, not really much to him. But in-game, he's fun to watch. Yeah, I think um, I would think that Michael Go really did think about this character. It does come across that way that he's thought about who Sadler is in terms of the cult leader and probably done his research because yeah, every time he's going off on a speech or whatever, you you you're listening to him, so he he knows what he's doing. That's the best thing about him. I think the performance is really really strong. He is you know full on ham at times, but. <laughs> I mean, that's just one of the aspects you got to love, you know. Right at the I mean, end, com- when he, the, the, like you say, the, the jaw cracks open and the eyeball comes out. And, yeah. Yeah, what a scene. Yeah, I love that. I, I'm trying to wrap it around in my head. Like, So his grand plan was to get money from America to then put a parasite into America and somehow try and control it all. Basically, when- yeah. He wanted the country to go into civil war by infecting it with plague. So I think it was something like that. This yeah. is the same plague ass that in the space of six hours, one man has almost wrecked his entire operation. Like, <laughs> mm. <laughs> That's why he didn't succeed, Steve. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. true. True. Can't uh, be that good also, of a villain. <laughs> he wants money because the upkeep of churches is really expensive. That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's running out of uh, communal wine. He's got a yeah, not, it's stained not cheap. glass windows are not cheap. <laughs> Especially when Leon keeps diving through glass, you know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, out of the two, as I said, he's definitely the least interesting. But, Steve, you said it, the word functional, absolutely. After you've taken out Salazar, uh, you want to face the big bad. And Sadler fits the bill. In terms of the... the which which now I'm realising more and more, Jafar, with the comparison, that makes Salazar the Sultan because he convinces yep. him and then he takes over the castle. Yep, got it. Um, so who's the tiger... Who's the tiger? The yeah, who's mate? Raja, the tiger. Ashley doesn't have a pet, so I guess... It's going to be Ada, isn't it? Ada! Krauser. <laughs> that makes the speedboat uh, the carpet, I guess. Right, anyway. Um, so the, <laughs> the, the boss fight. How do we feel about the boss fight um, with Sadler? I mean... Again, functional was the word. I'd, it's fine, actually. I don't. I don't particularly. I don't hate it or love it. It's it. It's fine. It doesn't leave too much of a last. The, the thing that leaves a lasting effect is where it takes place. I really vividly remember that area, but the actual fight itself, I, I don't really have any strong feelings about it. See, for the time, I think it was pretty fantastic. Uh, mm. the, the actual boss fight, it's like you have to use like everything you do in the game. You pretty much can do in that fight: precision shooting, interacts with objects, mantling. Uh, QTs to dodge stuff, and then you can even do contextual attacks with, like, you know, if you throw a grenade at Sadler. In that regard, it's perfect for a final boss. Um, but the main thing 
that I remember about the whole boss fight vividly is smashing girders into him. Yes. Like, yeah. I, think, yeah. I think it's one of the few times in the game where you can actually use like the environment as a weapon directly when it's not like a red barrel. Um, I'm probably going to be proven wrong in like comments or whatever, but that, that's what mainly sticks out to me. That and almost falling to my death about 40 times. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um... I mean, you mentioned the shot of the eye coming out of his mouth. I, I, I love, love, love that shot. The boss fight itself, it is good. And like you say, you do so many different things. Now, I, I, I did this quite recently on stream, and I died a lot while playing RE4. I did not die on this boss fight. I did it first try, and hmm. it was incredibly easy. Now, I don't know if I just got lucky, um, or I don't know if they maybe just... They made it a bit too handholdy because it is a bit go here, use this, go there, do right. that. And he you can basically stay away from him the entire time. So I found it really easy. Whereas Salazar, as we mentioned, he if you don't jump down the plat from the platform, you you're dead straight away. Mm. So the bot I'm kinda torn on the boss fight. He, I love the form that he takes, but in terms of gameplay and a challenge, it's eh, I could sort of take it or leave it. I um I put up a few polls. Uh, before this episode <clears throat> and one of them was on Twitter and it was you know which of these pairs since that's what we're doing of villains is uh, let me find the phrasing I, th I think I said you know basically just which is the better pair um, and I don't know if it's some bias towards certain games but man RE6 got destroyed and RE4 came very much out on top I just said the best one-off villains and it got 80% of the vote um, admittedly five obviously Wesker's your main villain there so it's a bit unfair, mm. but um, yeah, I mean, th these two are very much tied together in an interesting way, I think. And I think even taking into excuses like, oh, Wesker's in five, but not in the poll. And, you know, RE6, people will just not pick that because it's RE6. Um, I think, I mean, it, it's fair that it won that one. Like, as, as a pair of villains, RE4 is very strong. Yeah, I didn't actually think about that. Um, I think across... I mean, I don't know. Maybe there might be some competition in six, but we'll get into that. I think we will. Before that, though, Resident Evil 5 is next. And we're going to start with Ricardo Irving. Uh, not much is known about Irving's past before he began working for Tricell, <laughs> other than he'd have previous dealings with Ada Wong, and some reports even say he was in Raccoon City during the time of the outbreak. Nonetheless, due to his previous successes working within the black market, he was employed by Tricell to assist in improving their last Plagas parasites and conduct illegal weapons deals that would fund the Plagas experimentations. Irving used a mole inside of the BSAA to gather information on the group and even to misdirect the military sent in to apprehend him and send them into a trap designed to collect combat data for Udo Budos. When he repeatedly fails to stop Redfield and Alamar, he's punished by being given a dominant Plagas to infect himself with. This one's going to be an interesting one, I think. We were bantering before the show about his voice. That's the thing that always stood out the most to me. And we talk about cartoon characters. Irving's ridiculous. He's just... He gets basically... He's in three scenes, I think, maybe two. <laughs> and in the first scene, basically all he does is cackle and then go, suckers, and jump out of a window. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I was, like he, he's not ma a massively threatening presence himself physically, but because he has that voice and his face as well, I mean, he's, it's odd. And I feel bad for saying that because... The face, his face is is modelled on the, the guy that does the voice as well. Oh, right, okay. Um, 
yeah and then i and he actually looks a lot you know it's like a really good recreation of his face um but uh, maybe odds the wrong word it's interesting and you know he has those sort of little beady eyes and the mm. the thin lips so he's quite unpleasant to look at and then he just has this voice and he's like uh you know he says he's a businessman he's not a terrorist um he has stripy trousers on as well he's like because <laughs> with all of these i tried to compare them to people and this might be too far but for me he's like a businessman rip-off version of the joker it's like he's trying to he, he's trying to kind of he's got that voice you know the cackling and the laughing and then he's wearing a blazer and the stripy trousers and the scruffy hair just kind of stop it all off for me so yeah like he he's good fun <laughs> I just struggle to take him too seriously if he's this, <laughs> this master of the black market. He seems very dim-witted and sort of out of his depth. You know, he's being used by a tricell yet again, as, as Resident Evil villains seem to be, apparently. Um, Steve, how do you feel about Mr. Irving? Uh, he's a total clown, in the best <laughs> way possible. Like, I, uh, it's because of him that the entire the entirety of RE5 from which like unravels Wesker's plans. So... yeah. So he, he points Chris in the right direction after he's killed him, you know, like, mm. intentionally. He's he's not. A, he seems either very vindictive Ooh. and bitter. Like I, I love that scene just before he injects the plaga, where Jill is essentially threatening him. Mm. Um, you know, uh, and he's trying to like say you're just one of Excel's playthings, and she literally puts him hand to neck to the wall. Like you know, he is like the toady worm of. It, I mean, the Joker is probably a fitting app, but it kind of feels too. Too praiseworthy for him. He's a yeah. slug, you know. Um, I, I can see him being like, if they had had a, like I said, going back to the uh, the cartoon analogy, had they had a recurring bad guy, it was not like anyone big, but like someone who was like an informant who they beat up to find information. It's it's him. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. You know, he's that guy they they step on to get to the big guy, but he always thinks he's in control. <laughs> um, Especially with, yeah. I can hear that as well with the voice as well. That would be ideal. You know, like, but every scene he's in is entertaining. It's mm-hmm. again, it's the same yeah. problem as like Salazar. <laughs> you know, it, he steals whatever sh- whatever show he's in because you know every time we get to the yacht sequence, I, I I'm miming along to him. I'm mesmerised <laughs> by him. You know, you two are just in time for the fireworks show. Boom! I just I, it just every time like nailed it. Love that. You know, and then you kill him. In a really well, we'll get into it. Yeah, it's it's interesting because. Um... He doesn't have an on-screen presence for ages because a lot of the early chapters, you're, you're chasing after him, but you don't really see him or anything like that. You know, the first time you really see him is when they come across him in that little room or whatever where where Jill Swat, you know, saves him. So he's for many chapters, he's just a name. So I think it is really cool when you actually get to see him, and he's almost not what you'd expect. You know, if they're looking for this black market person. So I kind of like maybe a little bit of subversion there. But really, when it comes to Resident Evil 5, and as I said, really, it's difficult because he's playing third fiddle, if that's a phrase. Maybe even fourth, because, you know, Wesker is the the true villain of the game when it turns out. You've got Excella before that. You could even arguably throw Jill in there as as, as a villain up to a certain point when you don't don't know who she is. Who is Crofty? Jill's headstone! Mind! Come for... Yeah, so it's 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 difficult because he's got a lot of to compete with. But I would agree, yeah, like every scene he's in, he's definitely engaging. Yeah, it feels like um, a spare part of RE4. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, this is what I mean in terms of the cartoony thing. Mm. This is the version I like, whereas with Salazar, I'm, he's fun, but I, there's part of me that can't take him seriously. With with Irvin, I can take him a bit more seriously in that um, I feel like he he's one of those people that is... He's got himself into a position where I think he's got a lot more than he bargained for. Um, he's been hanging around with people at school that he shouldn't. He's been <laughs> trying to buddy up to the bullies. And then all of a sudden, he's left out in the cold and he has to turn into a giant fish. And it's and Chris even says, I mean, just before the boss fight, Chris is like, oh, I hate that guy. Because we're all thinking that because his voice is so annoying. He's so annoying. <laughs> But then when he's when he's dying on the boat, Chris says, poor bastard. And I think that sums it up. And I I really like him. And I, I sort of jumped ahead a little bit here because I tried to I, I tried to give characters the benefit of the doubt in terms of whether, whether they're sympathetic. And I do think he is like he doesn't really he, he, you don't really see him shouting about murdering people and things like that he's just i think he's more interested in status and money and power mm. and i think he's got mixed up with the wrong folks and again he's a little bit worried about how people perceive him um yeah and i i, I do feel sorry for him a little bit and i really enjoy him he does steal the scenes he's in and i would I think he could absolutely be like a guess who's back kind of character <laughs> like in two games time or something like that it would just be a huge huge moment so. all these people that are like clamoring for Wesker to come back even though he's yeah. been blown up and you're like no we need Irving <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I'm a fan I'm just picturing the frame of the scene. It's a dimly lit silhouette of a man slumped over in a wheelchair. You get closer, it's like literally the bag of organs and a face that's what's left of Irving going, You guys! <laughs> well, it's like, um, I don't know if you've seen The Hills Have Eyes. He's, he looks like the creature in the wheelchair in The Hills Have Eyes. <laughs> um, so, and like what you described just there is what he would be, I think. Everyone thinks, ah, oh, Spencer's back or Wesker's in a wheelchair. No, it's Irving. <laughs> Exactly. And he's just he's somehow still got clown trousers on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He yeah, he's yeah, such a you, you different know, design. I was just gonna say you, you say sort of he tells Chris what to do and sort of gives the game away. But like I say, I think Irvin knows he's being used and he's he doesn't really have any major allegiance to to try. So he's interested mm. in himself. So mm. he sees this last opportunity to just kind of have a laugh at everyone's expense. And he's literally laughing as he's dying. Um so yeah, he's he's very much like the Joker, but he's also I think yeah he's he got mixed up with the wrong people. He is like the quintessential version of I'm a mutant now. Look, I'm going to be a boss. Woo! Like evil <laughs> laughing as he's injecting himself. Not he's, you know. Uh, um, I seem to be rolling with these eighties like cartoons. <laughs> Keep it going. There is no there is no more fitting interpretation of Resident Evil Starscream. Okay, and if you all know, if you don't know, Starscream is shame on you. Okay, <laughs> like he has, he has a, a a crate of gold. He literally is loyal to nobody, and he complains the entire time. Like you know, that, that, that's that that speaks to I seek nothing but perfect personal gain, and I will screw anyone who gets in the way. Um, yeah, no, definitely, uh, he is like the Starscream of Resident Evil. He needs to come back <laughs> in some way. The boss fight is uh, probably the worst boss in the game. I think I find it. I just, just I hate that 
the ones where it's just like get on a turret and yeah vibrate the controller until your hands go numb sort of uh, just not very yeah there's not much to it for me but you know the transformation the design's kind of cool again we are spiraling into that part of resident evil where you know screw sense let's just have big monsters everything's a big monster now but um yeah it's, it's not great i mean on a transformation to like you know infection to transformation in scale i'm pretty sure he's up there as like one of the biggest surely in terms of time oh absolutely like i can think of one of the contender who we'll get to later mm-hmm. um but uh have you ever tried to fight the fight conventionally using what weapons you bring to the fight. Do you know what? I say that, but I don't think I have. Should I? It, 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 it makes no difference. It's still terrible. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, it's a shame, really, because it literally is a case of walk to this side of the boat, shoot, do a quick mm. tower event, walk to this side of the boat, shoot. Uh, compared to the other stuff that's in this game, that's uh, it's, it's pretty poor. It's pretty mediocre. Yeah, the this is a really formulaic boss fight, as you say. It's a shame because his, his form is... I quite enjoy, but then you know you almost have this exact thing in RE4 as well. Um, it's almost like a, an amped up version of that that boss fight, mm. um, which is a shame. And I feel like there are other times in the RE series where you are just trying to get away from a giant fish, and yeah, I think it happens a lot. And the fight itself's not not nothing to write home about. Mm. The you make a good comparison there to RE4. I imagine the, the way you improve this fight tenfold is, obviously RE5's got a, co- a co-op focus, right? You just have one player drive the boat, another one drive the gun, and it actually is a bit more of a cat-and-mouse yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 As Give opposed to, use these turrets. Oh, no, use these turrets. And mm. now he's dead. Because it's, a, it's a, you know, thunderstorm, night, giant crab, squid, crocodile thing. Sounds yeah. great on paper. And, uh, <coughs> and then it's complete toilet. Hmm. May 8th. Our current aim is to develop a virus that surpasses the potential of both the G-Virus and the T-Veronica virus. We need to eliminate any extreme mutations, mental atrophy, and instability in the virus. We were told not to be concerned with retention and rejection rates, but even still, overcoming these three problems is going to be a challenge. Of course, all that is really only a problem for regular researchers. I'm already on the cusp of overcoming two of the problems. The third is proving to be a bit trickier, so I may have to resort to some alternative methods. <sighs> Sometimes I frighten myself with my own ingenuity. Trisal is fortunate to have someone of my intelligence on their payroll. Let's move on to the second Resident Evil 5 villain. Uh, and speaking of the polls put one on our discord server as well to vote for uh all of these villains individually which one did you enjoy the most and surprisingly for me at least i thought uh excelligion came out on top um really? yeah just 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 about just about um we'll talk a little bit more about one of those results mm-hmm. later on but yeah excella came out just about on top um but let's give her the intro before we get into that. So, Excella Gion, 
uh, was the descendant of the Travis family, who had founded Tricell and had deep ties to the discovery of Las Plagas and Progenitor through the expeditions of one Henry Travis. So in a way, she's connected really to the beginning of everything since Henry Travis wrote the book that Spencer was inspired by to go and find Progenitor. Uh, she was a gifted genetics physicist and businesswoman. She was self-confident and saw herself as superior to others, so was insulted when she was handed just one of Tricell's research teams to manage and not all of them. When approached by Albert Wesker in 2003, they opted to work together. Wesker supplied her with stolen umbrella data that saw Excella rise to the top of Tricell, where Wesker can manipulate her best. She became director of Tricell Africa and assisted in Wesker's Ouroboros efforts, assisting him with his anti-progenitor injections to stave off the T-virus inside of him before she was eventually betrayed by him and injected with the Ouroboros virus. So maybe she gets picked here because up to this point we don't have any female villains with the exception of Alexia, which is slightly different again because she's been building herself up to be a mutation whereas you actually get to see a human here um uh, neptune from the resident Evil podcast said that he he voted for her because uh he finds her a little bit sympathetic because when it comes right down to it her whole character is sort of about trying to find an equal trying to find a partner in a business way and a romantic way with wesker and then you know getting thrown to the side at the end which is which is fair point that's what I like about her as well. You know, that's quite an interesting slant, especially to put with someone like Wesker, who's like supervillain number one, to have this woman kind of fawning over him. And he doesn't really say one way or the other at one point. And then obviously by the end of it, she doesn't realise that he's beyond her, you know, he's, he does, does not care. He's obsessed. In fact, she actually says the Ouroboros plan is my plan and his combined, which is kind of sad, really, because it's it's pretty far from the truth. Uh, Mr. KDB, how do you feel about Excella? Yeah, I mean, there was actually a lot in there that I, that I agree with. Um, no, I, I, I'm less sympathetic towards her. I mean, first and foremost, so she... I mean, she's obviously this big, powerful woman, uh, but you can tell she, she's she's way more cutthroat than you know. I said I was sympathetic to Irving. I'm less I'm less sympathetic to Excella because she feels a bit more cutthroat and that she'll do whatever, absolutely whatever it takes. And she she's kind of a bit like a black widow. Um, and she, mm. but also she does get a bit close, too close to the sun, like Irving. You know, she's she sees Wesker and she's like, hey, yeah, this is this is her chance to be absolutely on top and maybe i mean she kind of sees her and wesker as uh maybe they could be like jay-z and beyonce of the bioterrorism <laughs> world or something like that and she but she also uh, she's a kind of a product of a bloodline as well like she's mm. very spoiled she's always got her own way she's you know she's about money and power and pr protecting her family's reputation her 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 spot at the top of tricell um, and then when she gets kind of kicked to the curb, I'm a little bit like, well, yeah, what did you expect? You know, you kind of got you this you got more than you bargained for. Mm. But she knew the deal, I think, pretty much with Wesker. So I'm less sympathetic towards her. Um, I like I do enjoy her as a character. Definitely. Yeah. I think she's got something about her that is really, really threatening. And you think she could definitely she's she's a powerful woman um she's just a powerful person in general and i think she could yeah there's lots of ways she could take me down um but i just am less sympathetic to her she's probably a billionaire as well so i don't really feel sympathy towards billionaires so she's just 
yeah, she's lower on my list of villains that I enjoy, if you like. Yeah, I mean that's fair. I would I wouldn't say that she's likable as a human. She's definitely a likable character. Yeah, uh, that that's for sure. She's she's got a bit of the hamminess that you'd expect at this point. Definitely doing a lot a lot of gloating and stuff. When you yet again, when it's one of those things where you do finally come across her, she gets a bunch of scenes sort of like put within quick succession, and so she gets to sort of stretch her legs for a for a little bit before she bites it. Uh, and yeah, and those scenes are, are really entertaining. Steve, what do you think about Excella? Uh, very smug, very, uh, <laughs> yeah. very confident in that everything they do is the right thing to do. And bizarrely, the only person on the planet loyal to Albert Wesker, like to the point of being betrayed by them and thrown under the bus. Mm. Uh, it, it's weird because, like, obviously, the, the thing Capcom are clearly going for is some kind of dichotomy there, but you've got Chris and Sheva about being true partners and backing each other up who barely know each other, and then you've got Wesker and Excella, who are implied to believe, have had a long, longish standing relationship, and he just straight up turns into a giant black, like inky squid monster uh, with no, no calms, no mm. quibbles. He even, he even calls her old friend, and she looks like she's like twenty something. Mm. Uh, which is maybe that's just you know bioterrorism. You know, it's good for the skin, exfoliating all that. Make you all look great. Um, in terms of like character design, she's still probably the most standout female villain in the series that isn't like in just a uh, a regal robe or a suit it's it's something very different it's like you know a, yeah a, i want to say like a clubbing dress or something like you know it's yeah, not it's like it seems like a fancy dinner dress you know backless and stuff like that mm, like it's it's weird because i never thought i'd feel sympathy feel sympathy for her either but there's something about the beehive bonnet i just think that's a really bad haircut <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's just—it's strange because, like, I do pity her in a way. Like the the, the way that it's—it's it's very obvious that she fawns over Wesker and believes to be, you know, his equal. Whereas, you know, it, it's pretty obvious. You know, anyone who's like can just see it in the scenes that he gives like less than two dams about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then whenever she's on her own, though, kind of. That that the the appropriate you know we said about a million times, but she steals the seed she's in you know when she's threatening you over the intercoms and the uh, I think the standout for me is literally you know explaining Ouroboros to you and then yeah. watching the monster be unleashed. She's reveling in this super villainy, and I, I get the feeling it's not really a day job. Mm. It, it, it's, it's strange but for me. It's something I, 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 that's I paralleled. sort of been under the surface i feel like and now she's getting to exercise that person part of her personality mm. almost that's that's yeah. that's fair um yeah no i agree that that's my favorite scene of hers as well um i mean the, the sad thing is is it's it's funny because she has a scene where she says about chris that you know oh you're very like single-minded or whatever um she says about she clearly him. is <laughs> But also, so that's so true of Wesker, like you said, because in the scenes they have together, you can see, like, in him, all he's thinking about is, you know, Ouroboros becoming the superhuman that he wants to be and not letting Chris get in his way. He's very focused as well, so I, I find that kind of funny. But it's not just sad um, that Wesker, you know, doesn't feel the same way that she does. So much as these, she's like, oh, I'm genetically superior and all this. But then she gets her Ouroboros put in her and we know that that isn't the case because she loses control of her body. So you get that visual 
fact that that happens. Oh, I'm genetically superior. No, you're not. You're, yeah. you're a big tentacle monster now. I mean, you know, the fact that she's still shocked at the last moments before she becomes mm. the monster. Like, you know, why after I've done so much? Why? And they're like, you know, have you not met this man? Yeah, exactly. have, you not, have you not followed his history? He has literally backstabbed pretty much everybody he's ever worked with. Exactly, yeah. And she's one of the few villains in the series, I noticed, um, including Simmons, who we'll talk about in just a bit, who gets injected by somebody else. So kind of like, oh, okay. yeah, the sacrifice of you're the, you're the sub-boss to my final boss, off you go, sort of thing. So she, she's in an elite group there, I guess. <laughs> um, I think, personally, out of all of these ones, we talked about so far almost, she, I, for her death, for me, I would say is the most "quote unquote" rewarding. Like the, it wraps up her character the the best out of the, all the ones we've talked about. I think because of the reasons that we've talked about. Um, and Steve, as you just said, there she sort of almost can't believe it in the last seconds of her life. You know, she still can't get her head around what's happened, which is, you know, it is kind of sad, but also whatever. You sort of had it coming, I guess. Yeah, karma yeah. hits like a train wearing sunglasses. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that's exactly it. I don't I didn't really feel too sorry, too sorry for her. Yeah, um, it felt right that she had to die there. Um, it also it does kind of re solidify Wesker's position as well as mm. the big big bad. It shows how ruthless he continues to be. Um, yeah, and it's like, hey, did you forget about me? Uh, you know, this is what I can do, sort of thing. So, Absolutely. yeah, I was, I was happy is the wrong word, but uh, yeah, I was, uh, I accepted her death uh, gladly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, in terms of the boss fight, again, I don't want to feel like I'm ragging on Resi 5 because I'm not, but I don't really enjoy this boss fight much either, to be honest. Any I mean, if you, take it, if you take it as the whole chapter, right, being generous. Then it's okay because you have the big, you have the big escape, um, you know, set piece. That bit's cool. Yeah, yeah. The ship slowly being compromised as you know, the the Ouroboros is bleeding into and killing people on the ship. Yeah, that's kind of cool. And then you fight a giant tentacle mushroom with a satellite laser, oh. which, <laughs> when I say it like that, sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but it's However, less awesome. <laughs> yeah, but it's um. Mediocre. It actually reminds me a bit of Dino Crisis 2's final battle, in a way. Because you're, you're basically waiting for a beam, only now you're pulling the trigger yourself. Mm. And it's like, you know, just boring slam attacks. You can either QTE. If you don't, I think if you don't shoot them, they insta-kill you. Is that right? I, I vaguely remember uh, the mushroom having an insta-kill. I but think so, yeah. And it spawns little globules, like... Ooh. I, maybe I'm spoiled. You know, I, I turn around and praise Sadler. And in comparison, he's not a giant mushroom monster that needed a laser to kill. So. <laughs> I mean, I guess she has that going for her. She does does require a big old laser. But was this game to feature satellite lasers? Was it what? Sorry, was it the first Resident Evil game to feature satellite laser beams? <sighs> yeah, I think you've. I think you're right. I know Revelations has technically got one. Oh, okay. Mm. Um, yeah, but this was definitely. Unless it's something in Dead Aim that I don't recall. <laughs> it's, 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 it's strange. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out ways to say the boss fight isn't terrible, and I just it, it, I can't. It sounds awesome, but then you play it and it's awful. Mm-hmm. And Mr. KDB, any any thoughts on the boss fight itself? Uh, not really. I, to be to be completely honest with you, it's been a long time since I participated in that boss fight, so mm-hmm. I can't remember every detail. I watched. I rewatched it again on. YouTube recently, mm-hmm. and I just do remember it being quite forgetful. Yeah, it's very meh, unfortunately. 
Well, in that case, let's move on ahead to Resident Evil 6 and the two villains that we're going to be talking about from this who are, yeah, tied together much in the same way that the RF4 villains are. Perhaps to a much more complicated degree. In fact, their backstory is to a much more complicated degree. Uh, every one I've done before when I wrote out the paragraph sort of making notes from the uh, Batman's timeline was, yeah, it's about a paragraph. These, they've got about three each, so please bear with me. <clears throat> because uh, if Resident Evil 6 is anything, it's 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 convoluted. So, <laughs> Simmons was born into The Family, a selection of the world's wealthiest, most powerful, and most influential, obsessed with shaping the fate of the Western world with their own decisions, and was one day destined to lead The Family. Simmons spent some time in the army, and after leaving, set up the Simmons Foundation. Though not a scientist himself, the Simmons Foundation was a way for him to exercise his interest in it. After becoming an agent of the US government, Simmons met and worked alongside the spy Ada Wong, seeing her as an equally intelligent and strong person, and developing an obsession with her. In 1998, not only was Simmons on the board for the sanitization of Raccoon City, it was his meeting and his final say, believing that it was important to stop Umbrella from getting their hands on William Birkin's G-Virus and destroying any leverage the company had against the US government, who were their largest customer at the time. However, Hunt left the city with a sample of G before the government could fire their missiles. Following this, Simmons was charged with protective custody of Sherry Birkin and repeatedly attempted to extract a G from her body. After learning that he was behind the city's destruction, Ada Wong left Sir Simmons and never looked back, so Simmons turned to his scientific pupil, Carla Radames, who had graduated university at 15, to begin Project Ada, which we'll get back to. In 2012, President Adam Benford elected to reveal the truth to the world about the US government's involvement in the Raccoon City incident, and Simmons, who'd become the president's right-hand man, could not dissuade him and so unleashed a bioterror attack in the city of Tall Oaks, where the president was holding a meeting, blaming Benford's death on Leon S. Kennedy and government agent Helena. Harper. Immediately after the Simmons is infected with the C-virus in China after following a tip from the real Ada Wong that Carla Adamas was attempting to destroy the world. That's one hell of a backstory. Some of that's in the game, you know, as it begins. Um, Obviously Resident Evil 6 is played a lot out of order with all these different campaigns starting and concluding at different times. Plus a lot of it's in, you know, excess materials and stuff. So... Hopefully that made sense to people that have and haven't played the game. But uh, let's let's kick off uh, Derek C. Simmons. This one was, for me, a shame in the poll um, in the sense that I wanted it to get more votes. It's been said before. It's say, mm-hmm. Let's say it for the hundredth time. I think he should have lived. There is potential there mm-hmm. in the first couple of chapters of Leon's story before he becomes, you know, the boss rush <laughs> of the entire campaign. Um, if you're going to go to the effort of retroactively inserting him into the Raccoon City incident and the life of Sherry and the life of Ada and, you know, really link him to this character that we need to know more about, then why do you have to kill him off? It's so upsetting. Steve, please say you're with me on this one. I agree. And to be fair, his body hasn't vaporised. He's come back from the worst. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, not, not to hold out hope for you, say. I'm just saying that man has survived a lot. Like, it's yeah. certainly possible. And, and, and um, the way you've described this entire backstory to me and me having played the games, I'm now more confused than ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, it's very weaved through lots of things. It's, um, I do think, yeah, the way they basically parachuted and retconned him into the plot, as such a integral, like, you know, moving gear, it, it, it's uh, it's 
massively like short sighted to then basically, you know, he could have been the next Wesker. He had Absolutely. like the yep. makings of it. Yep. Um, and you know, all right, okay, dude in a white coat with a ring, but he does actually like have something of a distinctive counter silhouette to him as well. Yeah, you know. So yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a massive shame in the short, really. Yeah, it's yeah, it's so strange that they went to that much of an effort to look at the lore and 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 weave the story through. For a character that was going to die, I guess I don't know. Assumed was always going to die. He's him being a mutant is a big part of Leon's campaign, so it must have always going to go that way because it's a big part of the campaign is is built around it, which is really a shame because after five, obviously a lot of people were like, "Oh, Wesker's dead." You know, where does the series go now? Um, and we've we we have struggled since two thousand nine with clinging on to a single villain. It's it's never happened in, in Resident Evil. History really has it. We've never had a villain survive more than a game, and if they have, they haven't shown back up yet. And Simmons doesn't even make it way halfway through Leon's campaign, really, which is no. which is a damn shame. Um, it's. I wish they'd done a bit more with the whole like you know Helena not necessarily being trustworthy aspect at the start of Leon's campaign as well. Mm. Like because if you play through Sherry's campaign, it's kind of a, a uh, you know say you play Jake's campaign first. Right. Like I know, it, like Leon's top build on the list of the characters there, but say so you, you're curious for the new character first. Simmons is like it's a it's a random drop that you know the person Sherry's been working for is this evil bad you know evil bad McEvil man. Mm. So you know, had it been a bit more played off in the entirety of Leon's campaign, uh, it would have been more interesting as well. You know, seeing that maybe he is on the level, maybe he isn't. Like you know, maybe Helena is in fact going to betray you at the end in some kind of big twist, but instead he just becomes a pantomime villain. Yeah, <clears throat> there's a lot of that with Resident Evil 6 and just sort of, like you say, deciphering the plot at times is difficult. Or just sort of reading the timeline um, and, and Batman sort of put sort of the, the profiles of characters when they're born, you get to read their story without any interruption of anything else. Is Yeah, it's, it's, especially for Carla, who we're going to talk about after this, was like, oh, okay, now I understand. Because I played through a lot of Resi 6 in preparation for this to just try and sort it out in my head, but just sort of reading it helped more than actually playing the game for me. Um, Mr. KDB, I hear you humming approval at these. You also think Simmons should have outlived Resident Evil 6's bizarre plotline? Yeah, there's. I, I played it for the first time recently, so Simmons was very new to me, so mm. I'm fresh off the back of Simmons, but I, I, I absolutely love him as a villain. villain he definitely should have outlived he had so much potential he's this he's this nasty piece of work he mm. he's, he's basically like he's like a massive incel but he is a decent <laughs> threat because he's on the inside with the government so basically he can just turn the entire world or country against you he's really powerful he's really yeah. smart yeah. um love how he dresses he has a bolo tie which is just fantastic he's only <laughs> missing a cowboy hat um he <laughs> That there's it does feel like there's something else missing. Like he's almost like you say he could have been. Steve said he could have been the next Wesker. He's so close to being there, and I think there was definitely potential to keep him around, explore that a bit more for him to come back and do stuff. And I think yes, straight away I felt he caught my attention, and yeah, it was a shame that he seems to have been offed in one game. You know, despite the length of the game and all that backstory that we've got, it's. It's yeah. There's a lot of potential there. He's a great, great villain. Um, I really, really do enjoy him. 
despite his evilness. The most dangerous Ada simp that has ever lived. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Which Kidnaps is weird. Of women. It's an afterthought, isn't it? Like his scheme, his scheme in the entirety of his plot up until getting backstabbed by uh, Carla, he didn't even factor in as a problem. Mm. Like, you know, it's only after the fact. And then it's like, I've been injected. Well played. Because we have to say the same thing for some reason. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. He had his own schemes going on, which is completely upheaved by his simptitude. I don't know if that's a word. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't even see it coming. Uh, Do you know what? Like that that's one of the other things I really like about him is the fact that he's a villain that gets another villain's revenge played out on him. I think that's a really yeah. interesting take, you know. The things that he's done to other people, not the protagonist or anything like that, that's what comes comes back to haunt him yeah. in the end, which is which is cool. But again, it's one of those things that's kind of it's kind of lost in the in the way that Resident Evil Six tells its story. That being said, yeah, the, the, as a personality, he's fantastic. That scene that you get with Leon uh, and Leon's figuring out that Simmons is behind the death of the president and stuff like that and the outbreak, but they can't necessarily say it over government channels. Simmons isn't going to give that away. But you get that sneaky sliminess. And then later, admittedly, as much as I don't like the fact that he becomes a monster, you get to see that angry, jealous side of him as well. So, yeah, David Lodge does an incredible performance. The only thing I would say uh, the, the letdown is the, the, the family thing. Like We can ignore that. I, we don't need Resident Evil Illuminati. It's barely relevant to the plot. I, even from my reading, I was like, it doesn't really impact the story. It's just, it it's, could have just been the US government, really. They've been as shady, absolutely. Been as shady yeah. in the universe. It, it doesn't change his character at all, really, if you, if you cut out um this this weird illuminati thing it could just be a, a private part of the government that's very careful about controlling the state of the us affairs that's all it has to be because it doesn't it doesn't impact the story it 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 briefly comes up in leon's campaign there's the thing with the ring and stuff but it it's it, yeah, it was like they were planting a seed, but hopefully it, it, that seed is very dead and we'll never go back to it, personally. I'm not, I'm not interested. Especially with Simmons being offed. There's no point to go back to it, right? Yeah, there's no other members of the family that are significant. It's, Not that we know of. Like, you know, obviously there'll be a retcon somewhere where, you know, Simmons' son, uh, Dave, goes up. And <laughs> he, he could turn into a giant split-headed raptor man as well. But, <laughs> you know, until then, there's nothing. It's it's weak. And mm. that crypt is massive, by the way. Side point, that entire <laughs> level ridiculous. in RE6. Like, you know, I'm pretty sure in terms of vertical drops, Leon's gone through the planet. Um, <laughs> he didn't actually fly to China. He just, just, <laughs> yeah, he, just he, fell, he fell there. My God, he Minecrafted his way there. He just dug straight down. I've <laughs> um, got yeah. a question though. Sure, is he gets infected? He sort of wanders along a bit, lands on a train. You follow him. Why doesn't he cocoon? Am I missing a plot bit there? I mean, I know I read through all of it to try and try and understand it, but the whole thing with the sea virus is everything turns into a cocoon and then. B.O.W. comes out of that. He doesn't do that. He just kind of like breaks apart and becomes a, a lion or whatever the hell that first form is. I, just, I didn't understand why. Weren't each three of those like specially prepared? Um, oh, that maybe that's it. Maybe it's some I mean, special that's strain. A, his has got like, you know, the usual mix is somewhere between 50-50 CV, you know, Co-Veronica virus and uh, G-virus. Instead, this one's like, you know, 99.9% pure G-virus. That's why he just doesn't die and mutates more. 
Is that fact or speculation? Because I like it. That's, co- that's complete. That's complete nonsense. From well, let's go with yeah. it. Though. It makes sense though because he just constantly, as you say, is reforming. It becomes a wide variety of things. Yeah, he's like a giant housefly at one point. Yeah, unless we forget the dinosaur, of course. Yeah, Simonsaurus Rex. <laughs> um, any um, more thoughts on the on the character before we talk about those fights? I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, let's go on, Steve. No, no, no. I, I keep talking over you, Kelsey. I'm sorry. You go for it. It's. I was just going to say, like, I just want to say again. Um, so I, I, I really enjoy him. Like I, I mentioned before, when there's villains that don't necessarily want to be sitting on the throne. Um, mm. I don't know if anybody's seen Game of Thrones, but the bad guys in that are generally the better ones are the ones who aren't interested in sitting on the throne. And he's the same here. He wants to just pull the strings from behind the scenes. He's obviously got a lot of connections and a lot of ways that, again, he can come at you. Um, and he he's also just disgusting. Like, you know, as smart and connected as he is, this obs- this sick obsession that he has mm. for Ada, you know, it's this unrequited love thing. is He feels so hard done by, but you just don't have the sympathy for him. And that's, yeah, it just makes him really easy to hate. And it it is the first time, I think, since Wesker, that it was somebody you I did really, really, really despise in the series, but wanted them to, from a character sense to, to be around and to see more of. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's frustrating that it seems that we may have seen the last of him. Um, the, um, I really, really like the the Happy Birthday Ada tape. I think that is such a hor- horrific touch. Like, you know, that's about, that's one of the most horror parts of, the entirety of RE6, I think. Yeah. I mean, I know there's lots of horrific parts, but it's mainly action in terms mm. of slow, you know, where it gets quiet when, with that videotape that says happy birthday, you know, and it has the footage on. I love that he's just, he's labeled that tape, you know, it's, it's from his private personal collection and then he it's been placed there to manipulate Leon. Um, we'll talk more about Carla, obviously, but yeah, I'm big, big fan of Simmons. God, just talking about it, it makes me sad that he's dead if he is dead it's, you know They're, like you say Steve there's, there's no reason they couldn't undo that let's be completely yeah. honest <clears throat> he's basically indestructible throughout most of the game um, and, and the way he does die I yeah I found it kind of uncon- unconvincing I thought it's sort of meh you know he falls off a th- gets stabbed <laughs> and goes no like it's a big deal <laughs> falls off something yeah there's fire things fall on him but that's nothing you know he literally has survived worse. He has actually yeah. survived worse by by that point. So I don't know. It's odd. I, I, I can actually like. I know it's a retcon. Probably he like probably intended. He's dead. Mm-hmm. I can accept if someone took his remains, shoved him in a back to tank, and he shows up again some time down the line. Like, yeah. His corpse isn't gone, is it? It's all still there in like pieces. Yeah, um, absolutely. To backtrack around. I just. Uh, I feel like I want to just keep one last little bit of praise on this man because. Like, he's one of the few Resident Evil villains that thinks he's doing right. Like, yeah. he, he believes yeah. he's doing yeah. things for the benefit of the United States. Yeah. Most people, it's the world will burn in an inferno of hate, man. <laughs> he's he's the, the scariest kind of psychopath in that he thinks he's doing the world a favour. Like, yeah, he, be- he believes he believes what he's doing is right, and that that's it. You just hit the nail on the head. And I think that's why, you know, when I say the, these people that... They, they're not really he's not interested in people loving him he he talks about stability and you know and and sort of over 
the, the president making the wrong decision and he really really believes in what he's doing um even if he is clearly sort of unhinged i think Absolutely. every time he dies so to speak he, com- he comes back a little bit more deranged until the end mm-hmm. like, that's probably personal headcanon there like uh, when you show you, that showdown with leon and ada on the roof and he's literally like almost base urges like he just wants to show how much of a man he is that to ada yeah. While shooting bones at Leon, like, okay, uh, cool. <laughs> you've, you've clearly gone off your rocker a little bit. Uh, which is nice because it just means the mask further and further slips. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, in terms of the boss fights, then, I mean, I don't know if there's how we even handle this because there is so many, as you've mentioned. Um, most of them are, are okay. I don't have strong feelings about. Many of them. The first one's all right, I guess, with the lion on the train, if that counts. I mean, it's quite short, a bit quick-timey and whatever. Um, but I'm not really that into the, the lightning rod housefly. The T-Rex then goes on a bit for me. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, obviously... Just his body reforming into these shapes is just absolute nonsense science fiction. Yeah. And the last one is just, after all that, feels kind of underwhelming, I thought. It's uh, it's strange, isn't it, that the first appearance is the strongest boss. <laughs> yeah, it just gets... Maybe it's also because it's like, oh, here we go again. doesn't really help. Uh, any standouts for you, Steve, or, or any ones you particularly disliked? <clears throat> uh, no, no. For me, literally, it's like I can appreciate the spectacle of the later fights, but the train oh. encounter is the strongest. Yeah. Um, I, I particularly enjoy... Like, you don't really use the cover mechanic much in RE6 in Leon's campaign, but there's, like, one bit where you really should, and it is this fight, where Mm -hmm. it it goes from being just a normal lion thing to now a lion thing with, I don't know what the name of the dinosaur is, but the dinosaur from Jurassic Park that spits, only now it's bones. (laughs) Yeah. um, That whole thing is cool. And the fact that he could have succinctly died with a bullet to the head at the end of that, and he doesn't. um, Yeah. I think that's probably the most solid encounter for me because there's a lot to it as opposed to just shoot the thing or insert the lightning rod. Mm. Kelsey, any standouts? Uh, I mean, I, I think I agree. I'm not, to be honest, a huge, huge fan of the general gameplay anyway, so it's hard mm. for me to be massively in love with any of the boss fights. And the T-Rex one, you have to do it twice. You do it yeah, in, that's right. is it in Ada's campaign as well? Yeah, and the, the, fi- the final one as well is twice with Leon and Ada. Yeah. And that's just like Jesus Christ, really? We have to do this again. Um, so yeah, the the the, the dog slash lion type form on the train is quite fun. Um, once it got, by the time it had got to the fly, I was just like, "Are we? Is this really still carrying on?" It's like forty five <laughs> minutes later, and when I saw it was a fly, I was just like, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, "It's bizarre." <laughs> is, it, is this the same? I, I wasn't sure if it was Simmons. I was like, "Is this just?" another giant mutation that's appeared out of nowhere but yeah it's a shame like the character himself is fantastic the boss fights less so Hmm. okay and our final villain for this episode is the other half of the resident Evil six bad guy duo carla adamas who again has got quite a bit of an intro so let me let me see if i can get through this one 
Uh, Radamus was a gifted child completing university degrees at 15, as I said, and was hired immediately by Derek C. Simmons as part of the Simmons Foundation. She was trusted to lead Project Ada, which was designed to create an identical clone of the spy herself. During her time working for the Simmons Foundation, Radamus developed the C-Virus, which was able to destroy and reform the human body, but in all of the thousands of C-Virus trials, failed to create a new Ada Wong. However, once Simmons realised that Radamus had a similar DNA structure to his obsession he had her kidnapped and exposed to her own creation whilst Carla was born again as a new Ada Wong over time she began to remember her previous life and started to hate Simmons for it Privately, she worked against him, using his gifts of access to his power against him by secretly forming Neo Umbrella in the meantime, she worked on the C-Virus to create the Eustonac and an underwater facility uh, to house the I don't know how you ever... I don't know what the pronunciation for this is, even still today. House? Haos? The, the massive Haos. thing. Like Haos. Right. Okay, Haos. Uh, facility for Haos. And she used Jake Miller's blood to make uh, a more powerful strain of the virus and lied to Simmons about him being dead. It was a strain of the virus that Simmons was unaware of and it couldn't be replicated by anyone else. Inviting Ada Wong to her secret submarine base, Carla was set to pin Neo Umbrella on the spy she had been cloned from and exposed Simmons. She confused the masses with this and the claim that Neo Umbrella caused the Tall Oaks outbreak when it was in fact Simmons. And... Chaos would eventually be ready to capitalise on the chaos and infect the world, completely destroying the order and the balance that Simmons and his family were obsessed with. Again, hopefully that makes sense. I played through the Ada campaign for, I think, basically the first time recently in preparation for this. I'd never done it, and it didn't help me with the story at all. Again, the reading was necessary. I, I found it really difficult to follow. But knowing that story now... Oh, go ahead, Steve. I just, I just wanted to interject before you get onto really serious points. Chaos with the Chaos sounds like a 90s house album. <laughs> I'm expecting like the guy from Scooter to do the vocals. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I was I didn't really understand the story of Connor until I read it. Uh, and but now I do. It's kind of interesting, but also out of the two, she's definitely going to be the most boring. And, you know, we've got the super genius thing, but we've also got the clone thing, which is really just a... Oh, it feels like scraping the bottom of the barrel. And this is almost maybe uh, hypocritical, because we talked about this in not just Villain Special 1, but the Code Veronica episode. Um she's it's similar to alfred you know she's she's mad about her creation basically and what happened to her at the hands of other people but i don't really care i don't really don't care that she's mad i don't i don't feel any sympathy for her i don't i'm not really interested i think it is because the clone storyline just felt so tired and tacked on i don't know steve what was your reaction to to the whole carla storyline the first time you came across it I'm actually with Ada on this one. And Ada said, says at the end of her campaign, massive spoilers for RE6, by the way, that she would have probably helped her had she just focused on Simmons herself. Uh, mm. I would have been sympathetic to Carla if she was like, you know, just trying to dismantle everything that Simmons did. But instead, she literally goes from, I hate this man, he has turned me into a monster, to the world will burn in an inferno of hate. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Literally, it's... Uh, th- th- there, there is there is good villain writing in this. I'm evil now because lol. 
Like she just every scene she appears in on Christmas campaign is pretty much she's just trying to goad him or infect his men or just be a general pain. Mm-hmm. And then anywhere else, it's just like I'm going to kill you. Meh. I am Ada Wong. Meh. Like okay, cool. Very interesting, interesting plot you've got there. Be, be a shame if you know it, it developed further than that. I think that's what it is. I think that you're right. The difference between her and someone like Alfred is Alfred was the what happened to him and what became of his sort of mental state. He's still just out there living his life. You know, he's, he's a twisted, awful individual. But he would just sat on his island doing his own thing. Whereas, yeah, Carla just goes from, oh, I'm a clone, to must destroy everything. It's, it, it just I, boils it- down to I am bad guy, world go boom now, you know. Is it, is it meant to be a vindictive parallel? Like, Simmons is obviously all about control, so she wants to unravel I guess so. Entire. Yeah, that's yeah. that's her goal, yeah. Uh, KDB, what do, what do you think of Carla and her setup? Yeah, the, it's, she is an interesting one. Um, I think I might enjoy her a bit more than you both. Um, mm. Like I say, I, I, I'm a big fan of Simmons, but Carla, like, I quite like this... Um, extreme journey she goes on. Um, uh, I don't know. She might even be my second favourite of all the people we've talked about today. Ooh. Which I now again, it might just be because it's really fresh in my mind. I've really recently finished RE six, um, but so she's another one that doesn't really want to be the face, but rather than control others, she just wants to wreak havoc and destroy. Which is really, which is quite scary. It's a bit, you know. Again, I've mentioned the joke already, but it's like watching the world burn kind of thing. It's the the motivations. Sometimes it doesn't even matter. It's just it's about chaos, and she literally creates a, a creature called chaos to destroy the world. Um, she reminds me a little bit of Adrian from Watchmen. Now th- their plans are a little bit different, and he's a bit more kind of about the control, and he he creates this giant monster to get people to, you know, to trick people into thinking that they need protection or, or something like that. Um, but she creates a giant monster to destroy the world, a bit like he does. Um, I also have a soft spot for doppelganger stories. Um, <laughs> there's something quite creepy about it, and I like how it played off of Leon. I don't think we saw enough of it in RE6, but there was mm. more potential there. Um, she, you know, rather, rather than just killing Simmons, which, like you say, she could have maybe teamed up with Ada and just brought him down. She just does decide to bring the entire world down, which, yeah, it's just a scary thought, like this creating this huge titan-like creature and in the context of Resident Evil and big mutations, as ridiculous as it it is, I thought it was quite scary. Um, I try to, as I say, give it the benefit of the doubt. Um, And I, yeah, I'm still trying to work work her out. Um, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit as well, but I feel like Carla could, although we saw her get blown up and uh, she was fro- you know, frozen and then shot and blown into a million pieces, <laughs> I feel like if she was to come back, she could become a protagonist, a bit like in the way you think, is she going to just turn on us and destroy us all again? You know, a bit like Loki from the Marvel Universe. Right, I mean, interesting. There's, there's just sort of weird little things to her that, I didn't hate. I think I'm still trying to work out, and she is very scary. She's yeah. There's there's something to her. I don't I don't dislike her. Maybe I don't think she's as senseless. Maybe as uh, it's first. You know, you first think. Right. I mean, she's clearly clever in that yeah. she wants to destroy. You know, if she does want to destroy the, the world, let's say she has made it so Simmons can't die. Figuratively speaking, mm. like yeah. 
Uh, that would have been the perfect way to get revenge. And here's the world I've ruined and you can't even die. You know, um, that's a level of cruelty that's a couple of leagues above vindictive. <laughs> <laughs> and then but on, on the flip side is like, I, I have the sympathy because she was, she was used in a way, you know, she saw Simmons as her mentor and then she was forced by him to just work on this project to create another woman that he was obsessed with. And yeah, I think there was something there that was just a bit more interesting about her than maybe we kind of give it credit for. Um, again, I feel like she's another one that, that could come back like this, this Carla and Simmons dynamic. I don't think it needed to stop here. This could have mm. been something that got in people's way for a, another game or two, and you know, certainly more story. I think. Yeah, I think if RE Six was a slower game and they hadn't just thrown everything at it, this is maybe a story that could have played out, a, you know, over a few entries perhaps. But obviously, everything yep. was pretty accelerated, and a lot of the backstory takes place before the game. Um, I think it's it is quite interesting. The whole um, Ada, if you're going to do a clone or whatever, or even, yeah, if you're going to do a clone thing, Ada makes sense. Like, Ada, because there's already a character in the series that you're not really sure what their motivations are, what side they're on, anything like that. So, so that, that's, that, at least with the choice, was quite interesting. And when it comes right down to it, we were talking about sort of the villains are both driven by completely different goals, you know, balance and chaos, but also sort of, they're all about getting revenge on each other, especially Carla, but Simmons is obviously obsessed with Ada and the thing that he's created and stuff like that. And the whole world is basically just caught up in the crossfire, which is, which is quite interesting conceptually, especially because Carla obviously meets her end before the end of Chris's campaign. And then you just sort of just go on to fight the thing that she's made and stop her final plan. So the sort of sequence of events, I think, is quite cool. But yeah, it's it's all very fast paced, and I just worry. And I, I maybe less so now, following on with stuff like Seven and, and Rev Two. But the clone thing is is a dangerous line to walk. You know where yeah. where do we go from here? You know, because then you can start bringing back villains or whatever from the dead, like Wesker and you know maybe Simmons. That'd be nice. But yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you're completely right that that would be a mistake. Um, I just I do like the idea of this one. If she was, if, if they could just say she was going to be the only one, I'd, I wouldn't mind it mm-hmm. so much. Um, and yeah, and seeing you know seeing um, I guess like I said, the way it plays off to Leon, and you know you, just you could uh, I could imagining scenes in my head where she's that there's two Aders there, you know, uh, sort of. Right, which one do you shoot? That one. Yeah, yeah, it sounds <laughs> silly, but I mean, and then because they know that she tried to create these giant monsters to take over the world, they're all just kind of sleeping with one eye open. Um, mm-hmm. And you as the audience, you know, wonder mm-hmm. when is she just using them for another plan again? Yeah, there, there was there was potential there. I thought it's, I, I'm undecided on how good of a character she is, I think. But I, yeah, I'm not brushing her off. I'm going to say, on the subject of cloning, uh, to, to dial it back a little bit, I think the, the whole reason we're having this conversation is because they actually made a uh, a more interesting concept than just, oh, look, it's just Ada, but not. Like, it's an entire person who's basically been put in the oven, boiled and grilled and turned into someone else against their will. Mm. You know, um, as far as if they do cloning like that, it's a little bit more compelling, but sure, I would rather yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. use it in the future. You know, mm. the, the whole, let's just take a follicle of Ada's hair and make a duplicate. If that had been how it went, I'd imagine we'd be even more pissed off. Right, that's, yeah. that is a big difference, definitely. Like, as much as I can sort of turn my nose up at it a little bit, 
I'm able to let it slide because of that. It's not literally, oh, there's two of the characters that you don't like running around now. <laughs> my my favourite part, when I was playing the Ada campaign recently for the first time, like I said, my one of my favourite parts was right near the ed- end of the campaign. What I thought was the most Resident Evil 6 thing happened with Ada being like, oh, now I understand. And then immediately Carla falls off of a balcony to her death, like, like that, instantly <laughs> afterwards. I was like, yeah, that seems about right. But then... Following that, Carla becomes a boat. I was like, oh, okay, no, this is the most Resident Evil 6 thing where she's just she's a boat now for some reason. <laughs> Which, you know, we'll talk about the fight, but, you know, from a visual perspective, especially the part with her face on the wall, I thought was, was striking. I thought that was really cool. Definitely. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I, lo- I love that visual. Um she's sort of screaming and shouting you know when you there's a bit where you have to run down the the corridors or whatever and you get grabbed by the arms and it's sort of like she's everywhere in the boat and it it was yeah i i I like i did like it uh it's it's silly but lots of it's silly um the face in the wall and it took me a a while to figure out what the hell to do yeah yeah (laughs) but um she's just gonna script just gonna shout me to death (laughs) <laughs> but the thing she's I don't necessarily like the thing she's shouting she's going on about how she's the real Ada Wong and stuff it's like yeah. well, she, her whole character is that she's not right and that's why she's mad yeah. so I don't really understand yeah. why she's yeah, so intent that on com- that but. yeah that does completely contradict it doesn't it because <laughs> she's, she's fully aware of that piece of Carla is inside her and she's aware of who she is so mm. yeah I don't know See, that would have been the perfect MCU credit sting, wouldn't it? Where it turned out, oh no, the real the real Ada was the insane one. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, you can tell which one is the right Ada uh, pretty early on. If you're going into RE6 blind in Leon's campaign and you start seeing that there's Ada's running around in two different costumes, you figure it out pretty early on, let's face it. Yeah. Will it be the one who wears the colour she's associated with all the time? Or not? <laughs> exactly. Mm. <laughs> Indeed. So, uh, yeah, uh, how do we feel about sort of the, the fight, I guess? If you can really call it that, it's kind of a series of quick-time mm. events and, and then, yeah, just shoot a certain part of her face on the wall. It, I thought visually it was cool. It's not massively satisfying as a boss, but it, it worked well enough, I feel like, for the end of Ada's campaign. If you... Steve, I think you're up first. Oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> right. Um, if you take the full gamut as a as a as the boss fight, like uh, like like I did with Excella. Yeah. I actually think it's one of the stronger ones on the table when you look at all the rest of its competitors here today in this villains podcast, uh, because it represents just how twisted she is, and even like the whole point that is like most of these things still bear Ada's face, but there is the the darkness underneath. Like my personal favorite is one that's just hooked onto the ceiling and it looks like it's a normal benign, well, benign is a limited term here, uh, you know, gelatin Ada face, but the second you get close, it says this horrible mass of teeth and eats you instantly. Mm. You know, that, that, that whole, like, you know, it looks like Ada, but it's got completely t- different twisted insides underneath. I think plays well. And uh, getting a little bit 18 plus, maybe, I don't know, There's some, the, whole, the whole concept of the fact that she was basically born out of a man's sexual desire and they yeah. with the woman... And the fact that she now looks like a, a con monster. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Fair I, I point. don't know how else to say it, you know. <laughs> you know. He looks like a monster covered in ejaculate. Is that more <laughs> you know, 
you know, the evil within might be all like, hey, look at all our white milky monsters, but I know what came first. Uh, this is one for the outtake reel, isn't it? Um, but it's true. It, it fits in with the whole point of her character in that she was born out of a man's twisted desire and then, you know, kind of looks like... I'll stop now. No, no, I mean, you've made your point. I think it's very salient as well. I hadn't thought of it that way, but... Uh, I can be mean... very eloquent when I want to be. <laughs> I this think... is not one of those times. <laughs> I think Resident Evil 6, when you take it as a tonal thing, when they're sort of looking at themes and stuff, yeah, I reckon that was actually intentional, and I've just never thought of it before. I think you're probably right, because there's some of that sprinkled throughout, really, with, you know, like the Deborah <laughs> fight, you know, rolled your eyes and everything, but... Yeah, there's an element to that, definitely. In uh, comparison to the Deborah fight, this is not subtle. No. Like, you know, the, the Deborah fight is like infinitely more subtle, which it's not. Which is not, no. <laughs> in reality, <laughs> but in comparison to this, mm. I mean, she's even dribbling like smaller forms of herself <laughs> in the ceiling. Christ. <laughs> right, uh, Mr. KDB, how did you feel about the end of Carla? Well, I mean, I've looked at <laughs> how, it in a whole How do you follow that? Now. <laughs> uh, but yeah it's given a whole new context for me um i i suppose like boss fights they don't need to they i i don't mind a, bo a boss fight not being this big complex thing that you have to do um you know i other parts of the game often when you're when i'm playing these games there's other parts of the game that aren't boss fights that are, that are more difficult um so in terms of what you have to do to 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 complete the boss fight if you like obviously it's not not a lot but stylistically i really enjoy it i i we mentioned the face and that well yeah it, it took me back when i saw it i thought that is really really creepy i did really enjoy it um i like the 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 notion that she is dead i think is well open to interpretation um i think mm. she's so she, a part of her she was this entire big mass or whatever and then a part of her was frozen and then shot and because you just shoot her once and then she blows into a million pieces but so when it gets slightly warmer she's going to kind of liquid pull back into to Carla, right? Like at the end of Terminator yeah. 2. Uh, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Except yeah, she's going to have like one less toe. Made out of what? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's uh, I didn't think she was dead. I, when it when I completed that section, I thought, okay, she'll be back, and then apparently not. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I didn't really see it as a boss fight, um, but her death, uh, you know, it's... I suppose she deserved to die. Um, I'd like to see her back. I think, like I mentioned, this dynamic with Simmons and other characters could continue. Uh, just, RE6 is a funny one because there's a there. I obviously heard all the hate towards it and all the bad reviews. So, uh, and I just never got around to playing it. I thought I'll play it at some point. It wasn't as bad as I was expecting by a cut by you know leagues. I was expecting so much worse that in terms of a Resident Evil game, you know, I look at the like RE2 remake and the style and tone of that is what I prefer. Mm. But in terms of the characters and the story, there is something in there. Uh, it's just a shame that it is just it just feels like an arcade game down at the amusements. You know it, that it's just kind of mindless i pretty much ran through most of it you don't really have to to kill every enemy yeah enemies dropping ammo i'm not a fan of at all um and 
yeah, it's the get RE6 a long way to a short point. It, there's so much potential in there story wise. If it was split across a couple of entries, like you said, mm. and the tone was brought down, the pace was brought down, I think it could have been incredible, to be honest. And maybe if Claire was in there somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's... We've not really had a chance to talk about it on the show. This is pretty much Mark's the first time. Yeah, I wasn't enough, sure. Really, other than other than Sherry's uh, campaign, obviously, which is, out of the four, is the one that's the most disconnected, really. But, I mean, yeah, I think it's a game that's very much at odds with itself. And we talked... The story, as I said, like these paragraphs of introduction I had to do. There's a, there's a lot there. It's just presented yeah. in... in, in Kind of confusing and, and difficult ways sometimes. Yeah. Because I, I like these villains, these two villains as a pair. I, and the way they tie together is really interesting and unique for the series. Um, I'm going to close out asking everyone what is their number one favourite off the list that we talk about today. Um, and for me, I, I think it might even be Simmons, even though he's he's gone and yeah, half the campaign is just a, like I say, a boss rush basically. But as a character, he I just found him so interesting, and I still do find him interesting and. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm on, on sort of like team bring him back, you know. Sorry, Wesker fans, but if you're going to bring back a villain, bring back one that whose story didn't get the time that it deserved as far as, far as I'm concerned. Um, Steve, who's your standout out of these six? It, it, before the podcast, I was like, you know, oh, I, I really like Exceller and uh, Irving. This podcast has like floated my opinion up and down. Mm. Just talking about these characters, like for example, I will never ever not see Osmond Sadler as not Jafar ever again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, uh, I I actually in agreement. I think Simmons is uh, at the moment sat in the potentially untapped potential bucket, and it's more believable he comes back than a man who has had been decapitated by a rocket in a lava pool. Sorry, and <laughs> uh, Kelsey, you said that. Uh... You say Irving was your number two, or, or you said so. Yeah, I, was your number two? Yeah, I yeah. Number it, one. Like, Irving, Irving, and like I say, Carla, I'm so undecided on Irving. I think makes my number two. There's a lot to love about him, but Hellboy, Derek mm-hmm. Simmons, I think is definitely the best here. I, I would be perfectly happy, happy never seeing Wesker again. Like I don't feel like I need to. I mean, it would. It's it's a bit like bringing. Darth Vader back or something in Star Wars. We don't need to. Um, I'm happy for Simmons to take his place. Um, if we want to see Simmons with a shrine with a pair of sunglasses on, fine. But you know, it's it's yeah. For me, of all these we've spoken about today, Simmons is the number one. Wasted potential. Um, hopefully, they bring him back. Yeah, don't please don't bring up Star Wars and bringing back characters. You <laughs> you're peeling the lid off there. <laughs> I, who knew this would become the Simmons Appreciation Podcast? There you go. Yeah. So, nothing he, else remains. He needs to come back with, with, with a cowboy hat, though, because I'd say he has the bolo tie, <laughs> and it's like, you definitely have a cowboy hat at home. I'm, I'm so. telling you now, that's a raid mode costume They're waiting to happen, surely. Capcom, <laughs> <laughs> please. Just, you can have Salazar and Simmons as the bosses. Come on, just get, give me that raid mercenaries like mashup game. I, 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 I need know, some right? non-cannon tillies. I know, right? I think I still think okay, this is a whole discussion for another day, but I think that could happen at some point. We've had I mean, Mercenaries 3D; it's time for a sequel. Orc sold, and that was advertised as non-canon. Exactly. You know? I mean, RE6 is basically just one giant game of mercenaries. Let's <laughs> <laughs> be fair. I should probably save this for the RE6 podcast, but the way everyone talks about how it should have been slowed down, and mm. um, you know, it, it, it clearly has pacing issues, and it just doesn't, you know 
does a control. If they had done like a telltale method, say, and just done like, here's chapter one, mm. woof, here's a campaign, and staggered its release, I'd imagine it might have feared a little better. Obviously, you'd have to have adjusted the price point because, you know, AAA games and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, had it been in installments, like, you know, mm. not, not like, you know, not like year, you know, many years in between, but like, you know, literally like next month you get Jake's campaign. Right. Next month Absolutely. you get Chris's campaign. Yeah, I I, gone down a lot it's funny because Revelations 2 obviously was released like that, a game that doesn't really need that kind of format. I mean, it makes sense yeah. for the sort of episodic sort of TV show vibe they were sort of going for. I get why they did it. But yeah, Resident Evil 6 definitely needs it more than Revelations 2 did. Yeah, good call. Yeah, uh, there's. I, I won't go on about it all now because like I say, I'm sure you're going to have a discussion about it at another point. But there, there is actually a lot in there. For mm-hmm. RE6, there's a lot to love uh, in certain in some of the campaigns. Um, loads of different things that the characters do and 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 kind of imply. I really really enjoy. Just yeah, the, I'm not a huge fan of the game. I mean, I don't mind games, action games like that. I just would have rather that it wasn't a Resident Evil game. Yeah, there's definitely. There's a lot to look forward to in terms of podcasts, but I'll tell you what, I am looking forward one day to get into Resident Evil 6. I'll say that much. Well, nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors. If you'd like to be part of the show, then please look into auditioning for our file readings. Join the Discord server now to get in touch with members of the team and our community, discuss Resident Evil with us and other fans, and listen to the podcast live as it's recorded. You can find a link to the server, as well as our Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram, YouTube, and more at fhspraypod.com. You can find the podcast on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show, please do leave us an iTunes review if you can. It helps spread the word. You can also support the show by picking up some merch or at patreon.com forward slash FA Spray Pod for as little as $1 a month. In our next episode, the Pueblo people are finally heading to the Pueblo. Yes, indeed. In episode 32, we tackle the breakout entry in the series with a retrospective look back at Resident Evil 4. Thank you to the panel. You can follow all of us individually. I'm at Siniac underscore one, two, three. Steve is at FB Steve was taken. And Kelsey is at K underscore D underscore B underscore. And finally, thank you for listening and have a good week. KDB, as you you do podcasts, so I don't need to tell you how to speak. That's a generally <laughs> obvious thing. Um, the other thing, obviously, is if you can avoid the swears, it makes my editing job easier. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, it's not the end of the world. What about the word wanker? We need a list about PG-13 swear words, don't we? I've let, like, crap and ass come through, but wanker I don't think has come up before. <laughs> What's the opinion on toss bag? <laughs> I think you're safe. Toss bag's definitely not a thing that people say. But you could make it a thing that people say. <laughs> Sentient jizz rag. <laughs> That's two new t-shirts right there. <laughs> Twat. Make sure you collapse them. Right. Oh, Let's do it. Let's go.